Yo, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt, live from the new Sweet Bee Studios, and I have Jonathan on the air. Jonathan, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm a little, little sad, a little, little depressed. It um, <sighs> uh, was uh, about, about just a few weeks away from getting to actually to probably meet Brendan McKay, um, who was out at the Bowling Green Hot Rods, uh, star two-way player, fourth overall pick in the draft for last year, and... He got promoted Monday. He's now an advanced A, moved out of full A to advanced A. Um, and he deserved it, but like I, we were literally set up to get the guy's autograph on that, on that Sunday. Oh, and I'm so depressed and, and about this. he got this. promoted. Like, I'm happy at the same time because, like, one of the things I'm so excited about is you've got, like, this two-way player putting up really good numbers. So that in itself is exciting to see because I think, like, the future of a two-way player in developing these kids at a young age and, you know, once they get to, like, high school and into college, like, Brendan McKay and Shohei Otani's success, like, show that, you know, maybe when these guys get to the professional level, like, you can continue to let them do two things. So, like, I'm really excited that his numbers are just through the roof, but I am so mad. You sent me that text, like, four days ago, and you were like, Brendan McKay got, got, you know, got a, up to high A. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because we have tickets for what, like June 25th or something in Bowling Green? Yeah, yeah, the, the Saturday and the Sunday. The Saturday we were going to get, um, as the, the, as you entered in the door, you know, the, yeah. the fans got to receive the Bowling Green Hot Rod team set of baseball cards. So you are going to get Brendan McKay's card that day. Saturday was Kids Day, which no. was the PBS Kids Day. So the kids are going to get to play with, which he'll, he'll still be there, but that um, uh, Clifford, the big red dog, he was going to be there. Yeah. The kids get to run the bases, get on the field with the players. And Brendan McKay and the other hot rod players are going to be signing autographs. So those cards you got the day before, they're going to be signing on day two. Yeah. Well, now, now McKay is not there to sign no. his card. <laughs> you know, that happened to me last year. So um, there's the Canapolis Intimidators or the Chicago White Sox single A team. And last year at the beginning of the single A season, Tim Tebow was playing for whatever the single A Mets team is. I forgot what their name is. And I had tickets to that Tim Tebow game. And I kid you not, I was so excited to see Tim Tebow play. And like a week before that game, he got called up. And now he was like, that was when he went to like Port St. Lucie. And I was so mad because I was like, we're going to see Tim Tebow play and it's going to be phenomenal. Because uh, Tim Tebow gets a lot of bad press sometimes, oddly enough. But I love what he's doing in the minors. And a lot of people talk like, you know, Tim Tebow's only there because like he's a big name, but he's continued to kind of move up and produce. And I think like he's making adjustments as he go along, but that's neither here nor there. I almost cried when I like didn't get Tim Tebow either, but like, I've got to start with this man, Brendan McKay. So I know, cause you're like what an hour or an hour and a half outside of Bowling Green couple hours. Oh, no, well, about, 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 no, not even that 40 minutes. I'm, I'm right there on the doorstep. Well, man. I know like, you've <laughs> been talking to me about like Brendan McKay for like the last year, like, man, you got to get up here. Got to see him play all this stuff. And I had never really dug into Brendan McKay's stats. Obviously, like I remember the draft that he was like this two way kid. I know when he was playing college at Louisville, like his offensive numbers and defensive numbers, I've got him in front of me somewhere about what he did in college. And the numbers are super crazy high. So his college career, he was a 328 hitter. 
But then he also pitched to a 2.23 ERA and struck out nearly 400 guys in 315 innings. So his college career was completely crazy, but his pro numbers are completely bonkers. Like right now, right there in Bowling Green, where you're at, he was hitting to like an 817 OPS through 24 innings. And the most alarming number I saw about Brendan McKay. Two things from the offensive side, he walks more than he strikes out. And that's a huge thing. And I feel like he's kind of done that a lot in his pro career, but also his average against. So when you face, if a player's walking up to the plate and they're about to hit or try to hit Brendan McKay, his average against is 0.096. Like less than 100. Like the batting, like (laughs) it's bonkers, like how good this is. Um, I want to ask you a question, man, if you've got, cause I know you're familiar with all his numbers and stuff. Do you have, have you thought about like what the future of a two way player might be with the success of like Otani and Brendan McKay? The, I think it, it's going to be good for the good for the sport. Yeah. Um, when, you know, a pitcher, I, I, as good as, uh, Clayton Kershaw is and, um, Max Scherzer and, uh, the, the other Corey Glover, you get to see them at best, at mm-hmm. best, twice a week, mm-hmm. and that's if it's, if, it's, if they're pitching on the Sunday. Now you may catch them a second time, um, but the you, a pitcher is not the guy who really brings fans in, you know, because um, you never know you, your their chances of landing on him is not real great. Um, but when you have a two way player, um, and in the National League, I think it's even going to be more important because uh, your your hit, pitchers are hitting every day, oh, every yeah. day they pitch, they hit. Mm-hmm. But look what Otani has done for the Angels. I mean, as, as popular and as good a player as Mike Trout is, and he's still probably the best. It pains me to say because I like Bryce Harper a lot, but Mike yeah. Trout is probably the best player in Major League Baseball still today. Mm-hmm. Otani is overshadowing him. Um, that's all anybody, when they talk about Los Angeles, Los Angeles Angels baseball, it's Otani. Oh, yeah. And it's, it, it is exciting to see a pitcher who can hit home runs and bat 320. Um, and, and McKay, well, I think Otani would probably be the better pitcher of the two. McKay can mm-hmm. flat out hit. Of course, Otani can hit too. So it's hard to say yeah. that McKay can be a better hitter than Otani. Mm-hmm. Um, but M- McKay is a impressive pr- hitter for as young as he is, which Otani is incredibly young too. But I mean, McKay has a lot of stuff going for him. Oh um, yeah. I think he'll bring excitement and the Tampa Bay Rays, they, they can use a little bit of excitement. Um, their attendance is no, it, it's a Florida sp- baseball team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so they yeah. have about fourteen, eighteen thousand people a game. Yeah, Brendan McKay can—he may have ten thousand people in attendance himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it is—it is a—it is, is exciting to see a pitcher, you know, that can hit like that. Um, and the good thing—it's McKay can, which I don't think they used him in Bowling Green for this, but he is a in college. He's a capable first baseman. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's you know, it's. Even if he gets traded to a National League team, you put him at first base a couple games and let him hit. Yeah, you know, I read Um, over the past couple days that he's projected to be an above-average defender. Like, that's how good he can be at first base. Yeah, he has – yeah, he's – I mean, he is an all-around player. Um, And I'm I'm wondering if this is going to make the Cincinnati Reds rethink how they're handling Hunter Green. Oh, I never thought Um, about that. Hunter Green should have been a two-way player as well, but – no, we weren't thinking. Nah, there's no two way. No, we don't do two way players. Yeah, exactly. Major League Baseball, there's no. And so they decided, you know, you're a pitcher. You're a pitcher. 
Um, and that's what Hunter Green's been focusing on. And he's a mm-hmm. heck of a pitcher. Hunter Green's going to be an all-star, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the Reds may be looking at Otani and then seeing this Brendan McKay, all, he, all this excitement he's generating in, in full A, all the excitement he brought then into that low league level. Mm-hmm. They may be regretting how they're handling Hunter Green. Yeah, I mean, um, I think they should change it right now because, like, there's nothing – if you take Brendan McKay's if – you, if you open up baseball reference and put your hand over half the page and look at his pitching stuff, you'll be like, oh, Brendan McKay's pitching good. And then if you take your hand and block the pitching and look at his hitting, like, his stats separated are phenomenal. To have a guy that young that can take more walks than strikeouts. And then on the pitching end of it, he's got phenomenal command of his fastball. I'm wanting to say I read that he's got like a slider and maybe like some sort of cutter that are projected to be above average. And he's got a changeup that's working good. I mean, I just wonder if the Reds at some point don't just be like, man, maybe we should rethink this, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, um, I think they're making a mistake if they don't give Hunter Green a shot yeah. at two way. Cause I think, I think one, I think it'd be a mistake for Tampa Bay to trade McKay, even though they could probably get a lot for him at this oh, point. They keep um, him. But they, they need star power in Tampa Bay. Oh yeah. Um, and McKay, he, he's moving up. Honestly, he has moved up faster than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew he'd be hitting well. I didn't really think his pitching would come around this quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought he'd have a little bit of a learning curve, but his pitching is much, much better than I thought he would be oh, doing yeah. at this point. And um, I really thought he would spend the full year in Bowling Green, mm-hmm. just working on his pitches, getting those those additional pitches, you know, to work yeah. on the changeup, but you know, and the and the and the, and the cutter, the slider, whatever he needs to work on to get those three solid pitches before they start moving him up. Mm-hmm. But he's ready to go, um, and they moved him up. They're not they're not going to slow him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard that changeup's coming along pretty well. But now let me ask you this, and I want I'm so pumped to ask you this because I know you'll have a good answer for it. So I know. Like oftentimes baseball players get the yips, right? And you like you've watched a ton of Cardinals baseball. So I know you had watched a lot of Rick Gankiel and probably what he went through mm-hmm. as like a regular season pitcher. And then when he got to the the Atlanta Braves in like the divisional series and kind of just had like that wild inning and nothing was ever the same. Now, I'm gonna have a hard time stating this, but I've thought about it over the past couple of days. I've looked at a lot of pitchers like Rick Gankiel or David Price, or you, Darvish, they are siloed and taught to only focus on this one thing. And you know how it is, like anything in a person's life where if you try too hard at something, sometimes you can regress and not do as well. So for example, Mm -hmm. Noah Syndergaard's off to kind of like, for his standards, a rough start in 2018. And he said in an interview, maybe about a week and a half ago, that he was thinking too much, that he was thinking about throwing strikes too much. And so here's what I want to ask you. When you look at a guy like Otani, who's doing both, and he's doing both really well, and then you look at a guy like Brendan McKay, who's doing both and doing both really well. And with the Cincinnati Reds outlook of Hunter Green's going to be a pitcher because that's just what you do. You 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 get a guy, you find out what he's best at, you put him in that lane and drive. At one at what point does a team or a GM begin to think that maybe we're putting too much pressure on a guy by putting him in a lane and telling him this is all you're gonna do, and then you have that player overthinking it. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's a freedom that comes with being a two-way player and not having that much pressure. Because right now, Brendan McKay and Shohei Otani are doing things on each side of the ball that really good all-star players do. 
but they're not doing it like everyone else. So is there a chance that teams – I want to know what you think about this. Is there a chance that teams in the future begin to think that, hey, maybe we can have two-way players because maybe they don't need to practice so much? Like if you're Jason Hayward and you're a slumping hitter, like how much can you hit – before you just kind of have to walk away from it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you see yeah. that changing There's in the future? A, like, what do you think of that? No, um, which, no, it's a, I played a lot of, um, you know, basketball in my youth. And mm-hmm. There would be times where just could not hit a free throw for anything. Oh yeah. And it didn't matter how many times I shot, but I could quit, come back the next morning. I'm hitting nine out of 10. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just getting your mind off. When something oh, gets yeah. in your head like that, you know, it's just, but no, I've actually thought about that with Otani had that it may have been his third game where he just sucked it up pitching. I can't remember if it was. Was that was the Boston game? I think third. that was with the Red Sox um, maybe when he played the Red Sox. Yeah, it was. And he just got detonated. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he comes out two days later, two games later from the plate and he's doing pretty good. Yep. You know, it's, you know, and if he had to go to his and he succeeded, his confidence is like, I'm hitting the ball still. Mm-hmm. I'm batting over 300. I'm doing well. Oh yeah. And he goes to his next pitching start. He's still got some confidence, but if he had to go into his next pitching start, knowing he just got tore up before, where's his confidence at? You I know, never thought about, about that. Would, 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 he, would his third start, or his, or I guess it would be his fourth start, would that have been as good without that confidence coming from, you know, that he built behind that? Yeah. Bat? Because he's having, because um, he's having success in between his starts and that's keeping him up. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about that. That's good. And, and, you know, he got to contribute. He didn't have all week to dwell on his failure. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he would, you know, he's like, he's giving high fives or giving him high fives, pats on the back, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's contributing throughout the week instead of having to focus. I mean, cause that, that's gotta be rough. I mean, same thing with kind of a NFL place kickers. <laughs> you oh, mess up shoot. A kick. yeah. you're, you're, you're dwelling on it the entire time until you make your next kick. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just going to eat and eat and eat at you. But if you can get your mind off of it, I think it helps you perform better. Um, you know, Chuck Knobloch, whenever, you know, second base, excellent second yeah. base. Never, um, one of the best defensive until he had his mental meltdown that there was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he would say if he ever had time to think about a throw, that's when he would miss. Oh, yeah. Once he hit that mental Rick Ankiel-like funk he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but any hard play where he had to just go on reaction, muscle, muscle memory. Mm-hmm he was right on the money. But once he started thinking about things, that's when he messed it up. Yeah. So I think we're like in the case favor and Otani's favor, batting helps get their mind off of the pitching. Um, and I really think that helps them. It plays to their advantage, especially going into their next start. Um, you know, that they've got to contribute and it just gets their mind off of it. If they ever do have a bad start, which yeah. they all will, oh, it gets course, their mind yeah. off of it. I mean, that's baseball for sure. But yeah, that's good stuff. I never even thought about like what hitting in between starts would do. I was just only thinking of like the practice factor because that's huge. And, you know, how else do you explain like a guy staying as busy as what like McKay and Otani do like in between starts? But it really doesn't seem to affect him. Like Otani will go through a game and pitch harder as the game goes. Then he'll take his day off. And honestly, what's so impressive about it is like hitters are taught that they've got to always be in the cage. They've got to always hit. Like Otani takes days off 
between being designated hitter. But if you've noticed, like he doesn't skip a beat. Like he's still batting yeah. 330 or 340. He's got an OPS of above a thousand. Because I wondered a little bit, like that first week of the year where he hit like those couple home runs, I was like, ooh, I wonder if that's going to hold up. You know, because it's a little different, like the way his schedule and process is. But man, it does not skip a beat at all. No, it, no, I've actually got him on my fantasy baseball team. And, and, mm. and whenever he would come off of, you know, he would pitch, then he would set a day, and then he would go to hit. Like, there was a, the first time, like, I didn't start him because I thought he'd come out cold. Oh, yeah. I'm like, there's no way he's successful after pitching and setting down a game because, you know, he sets out the game before he pitches. So he's not that, he's not played in a game as a hitter in three games. And if they had a normal day off, he's out for four days. I'm like, he's going to come in cold. I set him and hit a home run. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but no, he comes out, um, even with those three days off of hitting, um, it does not phase him. Mm-mm. Um, so you, you can be, and if he can do it, McKay's doing it. I think Hunter Green's capable of doing it. I think this two way yeah. player thing can be successful. Um, and I think the fans are going to love it. You just look, look what they're doing with Otani right now. I mean, they're oh eating my it up. God. It's bonkers. Um, I'll tweet my most, my most popular tweets, anything. Cause I don't have a huge Twitter following, but anytime I tweet about Otani, I mean, people love it because he's got so many fans out there. And part of it is if you watch his demeanor during a game, one of the things that struck me is just like, I love who he is as a person is they were playing the Yankees like a couple weeks ago. And it was when he was running to first base when he twisted his ankle. Right. And mm-hmm. he had bumped into Neil Walker on the play. And a couple times after that play, he had like motioned his hand to Neil Walker, like, Hey, like, sorry, I bumped you. Sorry, I bumped you, you know, and kind of like went out of his way to um, just say something to Neil, you know, about like the bump on the play. And it's like, yeah, that, that was the play. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, no. Well, no. What I was just going to say is like, it's that type of attitude that like, I love so much about him. And like, you know, when he goes back to the dugout, like after he hit his first home run and just his demeanor, like it is just the, the Los Angeles angels got so much more than a two way player. I feel like his clubhouse presence is going to be huge. It is now. Oh, and it, and it was like, cause that, that's the play he hurt his ankle on, isn't yep. it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, you're, you're apologizing for bumping a guy on a play that you hurt yourself Yeah, like, on. I'm injured <laughs> right now. Like, I'm sorry I bumped you. And I just don't but know what I it... I really hurt my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm sorry if, you're, if your hip may have a bruise or something on it, you know? It's a, um, but no, it, it's a... But no, it is a change. No, just... The the late nineties, which I don't see it as much now, because I think they have changed the rules somewhat. But remember the late nineties, where where people would slide in the second base, and their goal was just to knock the second baseman or shortstop yeah. out of the game to keep him throwing that ball. Didn't matter where they put those cleats at; they mm-hmm. were going to knock him down. And you still see some of them trying to disrupt it, but it's not near as aggressive. He is a different breed of player. Yeah. Um, and he is. You know, we, we had talked. I don't know if we talked on the last show we were on together, but we talked about on the phone how baseball really needs to find those to get its, you know, its ratings up. It's, it's to find those spaces to promote yeah, um, and to get fans to love those players. NFL's done a great job of it. Basketball has done a fantastic oh, job. Oh, dude, I of, even of, get of so roped a brand behind players' faces. Mm-hmm. Um, Otani is that face, that two-way player, yeah. that nice, that I means he is a role model for kids and how he plays the game, how he conducts himself. Yeah. He is that guy you want to put out front and center on your commercial, building your brand behind. Mm-hmm. Just not the Angels, but Major League Baseball themselves. Yeah, I mean, he is going to be good for the sports. He's going to put people on the stands. He's going to put, get people to turn their channel to ESPN or whatever channel he's on at the time oh, to yeah. watch Angels play baseball. Mm-hmm. 
He's my favorite player in all of baseball right now. Like, I love Bryce Harper, but, like, I stay up to 1 – I'll stay up to 1 a.m. to watch an Angels game and, like, just drag into work the next morning and just be like, oh, had an Angels game last night. I'm so tired. Give me all the coffee you have. But, man, I just – I love it, dude. And, like, I, you're, you hit the nail on the head with all that stuff. Like, that's a guy you could build the sport around. And it's just, like – You explained it perfectly, man. I honestly just have nothing else to add to it. But I want to give you, and we'll end, unless you have anything else to say about Otani, I had tweeted this the other day, man, because when I'm at work, I have nothing better to do. So so here's what Otani does offensively and defensively, and this is how good it is. Right now, Otani, I don't know how many home runs he has on the year, but two of his home runs... One of them came off Corey Kluber and one off Luis Severino. So the guys that finished like one and three in last year's Cy Young, he's hit home runs off of. So right now in this league, because there's been a little bit of talk about like, is there a competition issue? Like, is Otani having an easy time? Like, the answer is no, because he's pitching to major league players. And he can hit off really good pitching right now. But then at the same time how he can bash home runs off Kluber and Severino, he strikes out 32% of the guys that come to the plate to face him. 32%. That is a huge number. He's performing both positions to the upper end of really good right now. Mm-hmm. It is yeah, unreal. I mean, he, could, he, can make it, he can make the all-star game as a hitter or a pitcher. Of course, mm-hmm. I think they'll put him on as a pitcher. Um, but no, he is, he's all, he, he bats and pitches all-star level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, he's an amazing, amazing player. Um, but no, he hitting, right. He's hitting major league players. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> um, like he, he went head to head with uh, Romero from the Minnesota twins, another rookie. Yeah. Um, Romero's a rookie, but Romero can pitch too. He's not that bad. He had some control issues late in the game and yeah. he started getting, I think to the sixth inning, but I mean, even, even Romero, Otani's going up against real life pitchers and, uh, oh, yeah. um, and he's face face Garrett Cole. I, I can't remember if he actually hit Garrett Cole though, mm. but of course Garrett's got an insane, insane spin rate and ball Dude, movement. All those um, Astros, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's an, um, yeah. Um, what, I mean, yeah, Morton, Morton's going to be an all-star this year too. Probably. I don't know how you're going to select which Astro pitching staff make the all-star. Dude, all three of the pitchers <laughs> got to make it. Dude, Charlie Morton struck out 14 guys the other day. Like that was his career high and he made it look easy. He throws 97 and he's got breaking balls that move as if someone has like a PlayStation controller, just hitting left and then right as far as it'll go. It moves like a tornado. <laughs> It's so weird, dude. But um, do you think Otani, does he have a chance to be MVP? Like, I think the last um, guy to go rookie of the year MVP was Ichiro. I think he's got a shot to do it because he means so much. I, I, I do. I, I think he's going to create a dilemma if he keeps this up. I mean, yeah. like, what, I mean, he could hit 25 home runs if he keeps going as he, I'm not done the math, but I mean, he, he probably, he's probably on pace for 25, 20 home runs. I, I bet. Um, and um, I mean, he was batting three twenty eight. I can't remember. It's three twenty something. He's batting. That's, yeah, I don't got the numbers in front of me. But I mean, and then the way he's pitching, um, he's going to create a situation when it comes to MVP voting that they yeah. haven't encountered before. If he maintains this, it's how do you measure him? Um, yeah, he's not an MVP alone because he's probably not going to Cy Young as a pitcher because he's not going to get the he's not going to get the start. I know he won't have the inning count to do it. Yeah, Corey Kluber. Um, I mean, they're going to they're going to be in the death in the win column um, for mm-hmm. sure, and the strikeouts total because they're they're going to pitch several more games than him. They're probably going to end up with maybe eight more games pitched than him. Um, 
but they're going to have you know, a significant amount of more games pitched. And, um, and then on, on the bat side, you know, he's missing three games a week. Um, sometimes just yeah. two, depending on how, how it lands. But, so, I mean, he's not going to get the at-bats, and he's not going to get the starts that others do. But, man, it's going to be hard to argue. Like, this guy's not the most valuable player in the league because he's putting up these numbers offensively for you. He's putting this up pitching-wise for you. Um, it's it's going to be hard when it comes to MVP voting if he keeps doing what he's doing um, on how do you measure that guy for who's playing both sides of the plate. Yeah, because, like, the Angels additions, like, last year they might have finished five games over five hundred. In the offseason, I know they added Ian Kinsler, Zach Cozart, who are underperforming. So right now, like, if you look at their OPS, like, they're hitting below league average. But then you add Otani to the mix, and then they're tied for first place right now with the Houston Astros, who are playing really good baseball. So if you look at it in that sense, like, I mean, it'd be hard not to. And um, I think he's a serious contender for the thing. And the only guy that might beat him out in the American League would be like his teammate Mike Trout just because Trout is, I mean, just doing Trout things. Like this might be yeah, like a 10-win yeah, season yeah. for him. Um, and you yeah, can't and really Trout, argue yeah, with Trout's that. Defense is going, yeah, Trout's defense. Trout's a five-total player. He's going to have, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. The Angels may have the two best players in the American League I, right now. I begin to um, wonder if they do. And I look at Trout's numbers, and you, you, there's no denying that he's benefiting from Shohei Otani being in the lineup. Because I mean, you gotta you gotta pitch him carefully now because you got multiple big time bats, you know, in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bryce Harper would love to have Otani hitting behind him. <laughs> Dude, it's no kidding. Poor Bryce Harper can't get a pitch to hit. It's like Bro. he was like they were walking him so much, he was just swinging at anything, and all of a sudden, like I look at his like. I mean, I always look at box scores like every morning and like I'll look at Bryce Harper's box score and he's batting like 240, but has like a 1050 OPS. And I'm like, how's that even possible? Like, how are you batting 250 and you have over a thousand OPS? And I think he was finally just like, dude, they're not going to pitch me strikes. So I'm just going to start swinging. (laughs) And that's what happens. I want to hit the ball. (laughs) I want to hit the ball. This is ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) There's no one. Dude, there's no one that's much more of a sure bet than Bryce Harper, where if he sees something close, like, he's going to slaughter it out of the park, man. Like, it never fails, ever. Like, he's getting uh, the, Yeah, he has... Yeah. Pure Barry Bonds treatment, man. It's... Uh, he's yeah, fun he, to watch, dude. Yeah, I mean, the guy, he's... he's Harper is too batting a... A measly two thirty six, but his OPS is still nine forty three. Is that even still possible? Got like home runs and thirty RBIs. <laughs> Dude, I would love to look at the past and be like, has there ever been a player that's like, how many times has someone batted that low but just had a crazy OPS? Because he's got to be getting on base like at over, like his on base percentage has got to be over five hundred because like he's like he'll have games where he'll just walk three or four times. I wouldn't want to oh, pitch yeah, to him. Yeah. yeah. It's uh no, and that's what they don't they don't need to pitch to him. Like who, yeah, who else is hitting him? That's what yeah, happened, man. Part, yeah. No, they had to now for him to come out, which he broke out of his mini slump, and now he's not. Now he's kind of back in another sh- short one. Yeah. Uh, of course, he had a home run his last game, but they had to put Trey Turner behind him because nobody else was hitting the ball on the team, yeah. <laughs> yeah. other than Wilmer Defoe. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it's uh, but they have the, the other than Turner and. Uh, which Wilmer Defoe is not even he's a he's a bench player, but he had to step yeah. in because of the injuries. But he played mm-hmm. well. But, you know, Harry Kendrick wasn't hitting well. 
Um, that Zimmerman or Zimmer. Zimmerman well. is, dude, um, he's batting not even 200. And see, in 2017, he had a great year. But in 2016, Zimmerman had an awful year. And the same thing happened to Bryce Harper. He was just getting nothing. He got no protection. And then with that Nationals lineup, Adam Eaton is on the 60-day DL. And, like, when the Nationals came out on opening day, buddy, they were beating everybody. But then Adam Eaton got hurt. Daniel Murphy's still not back. Like you said, Zimmerman's not hitting good at all. They basically have Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, and then if they cross their fingers, you might get, like, a Wilmer Defoe hit and uh, Howie Kendrick or whatever else you got going on. But um, but yeah, Bryce is uh, a yeah. – Hmm. I mean, long as the long as the Nationals stay within wild card range that's all they during do. this injury, that's all they got. They just got to make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Because if can... you because you'll get eaten back. The pitching staff's like holding up. Like they seem to be pitching good. Like Tanner Roark's like their fourth starter. He's pitching good. They had a Jeremy Hellickson. And have you watched any of his starts? No, I have. Dude, not. his last two starts, like they got him on like a minor league deal because like nobody wanted him, and. Like, Jeremy Hellickson took a no-hitter into the sixth inning two Sundays ago, and then this past Sunday pitched phenomenal, like five or six innings of one-earned-run ball, and then they got Mark Reynolds because, like, nobody signed him as a free agent, and he hit two home runs for him on Sunday. And so, however it's working out for them, they're getting guys kind of at the bargain bin who, like, Mark Reynolds hit 30 home runs and 97 RBIs last year, and no one wanted to sign him. So he was like a victim of the free agent freeze. But Mike Rizzo was like, I'll take him. And he immediately hit two home runs on Sunday night baseball. It was crazy. But um, Bryce Harper's hair, though, man, you know, that's doing a pretty good job. You saw the, did you see the commercial that I posted? Like weeks um, ago, you saw yeah, the commercial, yeah, right? The, 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 blind, the blind barber commercial. Yeah, dude, I lost my mind, yeah. dude. Because if, and if, if you're listening and haven't seen it, like just watch it. So like Bryce Harper is in the bathroom and his wife knocks on the door and she's like, Bryce, are you talking to your hair again? And he's like, no, or whatever. And then like he's literally in the mirror just like, oh, I forgot what he said. He had like a really good comment that was like about his hair. And uh, it, honestly, it's the best 55 seconds I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, it is, uh, of course. And there's a, on their website they have some like like outtakes of it. Um, oh shoot, I haven't even watched them yet. Oh yeah, the, the, I think they were in between shoots, and um, Bryce was just in there, I guess, rehearsing on set. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys was like, "Bryce, who are you talking to?" He's like, "No one." Yeah, and exactly. Right? And like talking to you, my hair. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, and yeah, it's like the it's, way uh, the. The way the commercial starts, it's got like the close up, and then he's got like a real serious look, and then like he throws a couple punches into the mirror, and he's like, "That's right, I'm talking to you." Ugh. But you bought the so you got the hair stuff though, right? Yeah, I got the um, which it was a little pricey to start with. Um, the Bryce Harper selects, uh, I guess we'll call it the, the starter pack. It's his oh, favorite yeah, yeah. stuff. Bryce Harper selects. It's called seventy five dollars. Yeah. Um, you get a you get a uh, can of pomade, which is they, they call it ninety proof. This stuff is strong. It's almost like super glue in your hair. <laughs> um, it does wash out though, but it smells great. Um, but it is a it is it is firm, um, it, and it's actually made with hops, so it's got to be good, right? If it's got hops in it, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but and then he's got another like it's a, a sea salt spray. Um, 
which isn't is quite as stiff, um, but it's it smells identical to the pomade. Great smelling stuff, um, and even his it comes also with a, a face wash, face cleanser, and moisturizer. Yeah. Different scents. They call that winter mint gin, but great stuff. Um, of course, you grew up with me. We were brothers. I always had like oily skin problems, um, and so to find a moisturizer that make your face that that much oilier. Or much, that's not even a word. <laughs> no, it is on a podcast. No. It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, we just make up words. Oilier. It's, it's, it's way oilier and way funner, dude. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's the, the shine. It, it is great product. Um, I'm probably going to be uh, buying something. I bought it really because of Bryce Harper's names on it. And I was really trying yeah. to get the, the autographed baseball. <laughs> Dude, I would have put like out. 10 orders in. Like, I need 10, please. That's going to be $750 plus tax. Yeah, just charge it to the card. I don't care. Yeah, because that ball goes for like 1400 on eBay. So. Dude, 100%, <laughs> yeah. man. Dude, so let oh, me yeah, ask but- you this. Did you spray the sea salt spray in the air and go, I'm king of the world? <laughs> No, he, no, he, I didn't. But it. it yeah. uh, <laughs> he did that in the commercial. He sprays it up in the air, yeah. and then he holds his arms behind his head like Leo on the Titanic. He goes, "I'm king of the world." <laughs> so you're crazy, man. Well, it's it's, it's got sea salt in. No, it's an ocean. Like almost like ocean air, dude. But <laughs> let me ask you this, man. Like as because like. You can't see us. You can only hear us if you're listening. But like, as I get older, I'm so the thing I'm thankful for most is a full head of hair. Like me and you, we mm-hmm. got real good hairlines, man. Um, like I remember growing up, and oh, by the way, if you're listening to this, this is Jonathan McCree. This is my older brother, right? So I'm like the little middle child. And like growing up, like, dude, you always had the cool hair, man. Like I remember, I, and I have curly hair. So I remember like one time, like mom tried to give me a spike because you had like a really cool spike and like it didn't work out so well. So like secretly I was like, if he gets that Bryce Harper stuff and his hair looks good, I'm going to never talk to him again. <laughs> like I'm so mad, dude, because like your hair always looks so good. And I'm like, dude, I can't deal with this anymore. But I got to get some, man. I don't know how it works on curly hair, but like I need help. One time somebody told me I look like John C. Riley off Talladega Nights. And I was like, I'm going to shave my head now, man. I was like, I hate you. Shake and bake. Yeah. I was like, that's not a compliment. I was like, you can stop now and leave. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. But I got to get no, some of that, man. Oh. Yeah, I will say that with the with the, the the sea salt spray because you know, my hair is still a little little kind of spiky, no kick to the side. Yeah, but it does look really good with the uh, um, sea salt spray. It does, uh, it's pretty good stuff. <laughs> it shouldn't be right to like Bryce Harper. Like I don't know how one person can have such good hair and such a good beard and be like so good at sports. Like that almost just doesn't seem fair that you can do all. It, it's not fair, um, like at all. Yeah, like be ugly, like. I just, yes. I don't know, yes. man. Yes. It's so. You should be hitting the face, pying, hitting the face with a uh, frying pan ugly if you can hit the ball that dude, far. Absolutely. But then also, <laughs> like, I've got like a good, like, I've got a full, I've got a hairline. My hairline's great. But like, my beard is like a dog with mange. So I don't get the best of both worlds. But like, to have someone that has like a really thick beard and good hair, like, I secretly hope it'll fall out, but, like, then again, like, I kind of like it when he does the hair flip. So I'm kind of torn, but. Ugh. But yeah, I love the commercial, man. And it's that kind of stuff, I think, that makes baseball fun. I love seeing baseball players' personalities. 
Because um, mm-hmm. well, that's one thing you don't you did, you never got in baseball um, compared to the other sports. Um, it's just like you never got to see what their their what a player was really no. like. You watched them play the game, and you that was it. Um, nobody talked about you know how Bryce Harper was you know outside of the game or yeah. Mike Trout outside the game or Otani. Nobody used to talk about that stuff. Um, but if baseball, if you can get to know the players and learn the stuff, like um, um, well, I think your wife follows him on Instagram. You know, it's oh yeah. This that 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 I don't want to call it a relationship because it's not really a relationship, but just that insight into it the sport sort of makes is, them more yeah. human. It makes you fall in love with the game, and it makes them it makes them you know, it's a more tangible, real person that you can actually like. Like oh, I don't yeah. like this guy. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's a he's a good person. You know, and he can play ball. Oh yeah, it was just two days ago. Um, Bryce Harper posted a Snapchat of the whole Washington Nationals team going into In and Out Burger. And I was like, dude, one, like, I would lose my mind if I saw Bryce Harper in, like, a burger joint. But, two, like, it's just like that, man. And, like, the word you use, relationship, like, that is what it is. You know, if you look back at, like, a, you know, a 10-year-old kid watching baseball or even people like me and you who are getting, like, a huge laugh out of, like, the Blind Barber commercial. And part of me just wonders if it's not, like baseball's unwritten rules that holds a lot of these personalities back because you had mentioned basketball earlier and like I don't watch basketball really on a day-to-day basis but I love Russell Westbrook because like it's very obvious in the media like his drive and his passion and like he has like this like energetic anger for the game and like when I watch Mm -hmm. him like I love that competition and like today the ESPN 30 for 30 and Netflix are doing like a 10 part series called the last dance, which is like a Michael Jordan documentary. And in that 50 seconds, dude, you can see the fire in Michael Jordan's eyes. And like when he hit that jump shot, I think over like Craig Elo against the Cavs in the nineties. And he did that Mm -hmm. real big jump and fist pump. Like he was about to kick Danny Ferry in the head. Like if that (laughs) happens in baseball now, Justin Verlander is going to complain to you after the game and say, I mean, that's not how you play. Or like Javi Baez like flipped his bat and Clint Hurdle was like, you need to respect the game. So when you got these guys in post-game interviews, they're monotone and don't really want to have any fun because it's almost like if they do, you've just made the establishment mad. But it's not like that in football or basketball because you get the personalities in like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're in baseball, like Miguel Montero didn't say the right thing once last year on a post-game interview and the Cubs designated him for assignment. Like, he was out the door. And, like, you can't even speak freely because if a Major League Baseball player speaks their mind, the next day, Mike and Mike are talking about, oh, did so-and-so say too much post-game last night? You know? Yeah. Um, which, I know there's certain things no post-game you don't want to talk about your teammate, and there, there's yeah. certain things there where you can't cross the line. But as far as as far as players just letting their truths, you know, it's things that happen during the game and after game, especially on the field, whenever you make players bland and they're all cookie cutter, you can't tell the difference between, you know, Javi Baez and Jack Flattery or, or Flaherty, you know, oh, you need yeah. to see that personality difference. Um, you know, not everybody just needs to go out. But it's, it's fine and great to have that person who's just going to walk to the mound, not say anything, go out there and throw some strikes and yeah. walk back to the dugout. No fist pumps, no nothing. That is all business. Yeah. That's great. 
You know, but if you want to have some, a player needs to have some flair. As long as he's not directing that flair at the opposite team, you know, trying to antagonize them. Yeah. You know, if it's for himself, his team, his fans, then let that happen. And Mm -hmm. you're going to have to, you know, tweak where you need to tweak and maybe establish rules and you establish rules um, to keep the teams from coming out of the dugouts. But yeah, um, yeah, let the players have their personalities. It's good for the sport. Um, It's good for the fans. Um, But yeah, you don't got that mirrors in baseball. You the you don't know who the players are. You don't know what the personalities are like, like mm-hmm. you do in basketball. Yeah, exactly. Here, I'm going to play something for you. Listen to this real quick. I hope you can hear it. Right. Bryce, are you talking to yourself in the mirror again? No. Nope. You know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Um, I want to ask you, um, you mentioned Jack Flaherty a second ago. He pitches tonight, actually, so I can't wait to see that. Um, but I had written a little bit of things down and I'm going to go over this really quick about there are a lot of teams right now in first place or really close to first place that probably weren't expected to be there. So right now the angels are in first place. The Milwaukee Brewers have the second best record in the national league. The Atlanta Braves have the first best record in the national league. The Phillies look like a playoff team and then the Cardinals are playing really good baseball. So I'm going to ask you this, tell me, are these teams really as good as they're playing right now, or, is, or are they just like victims of a small sample size? So number one, the L.A. Angels. Is this just a small sample size, or do you think they're really this good? L.A., um, well, I think Houston will overtake them. L.A. still has a shot for the wild card. Yep. Um, the, the Angels have a lot of talent. Just look at their line. They have yeah. talent. They have actually been a team who's been underperforming mm-hmm. um, for years now. Um, so no, they have the talent to be this good. Um, and adding Otani, um, you, you've got the best player in the world and when it comes to baseball. Um, I think the angels are the real deal. Um, their, their winning percentage will probably stay about the same. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think Houston will probably overtake him and maybe win, win the division by five or six games, mm-hmm. not by much. Um, but no, LA is the real deal. And I think they could definitely be a playoff team. Um, yeah, they're, they're that good. Yeah, I think so. What do you think of the Milwaukee Brewers? Have you? Because I have an opinion on this. Um, I've watched a little um, bit of Brewers baseball. Have you watched any? Um, whenever they're playing the Cardinals. <laughs> okay. Now I agree yeah, with so I, you. So I, so I have. Yeah, I agree with you on the Angels. Like I think the Angels are all in, but the Brewers. Like I'll go ahead and lead this one off. I don't. I think they're small sample size. I don't think this carries over into the rest of the year. I dug into some of their like team offensive numbers today. And there's nothing offensively that I think this team does really good. Like, they've got a few, like, decent pieces in their lineup, like Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, and, like, Travis Shaw. But, like, I don't think their starting pitching holds up. What do you think about any of that? No, the the Brewers, when you look at their – like, one – to me, one big tell is their run differential. It's a plus six. Yep. That alone, usually, like, you're going to be a 500 ball club. Yeah. And I think that's where Milwaukee's going to finish. They're going to they give or take five games on either side. They're going to be close to a 500 ball club. Yeah, I'd say you're um, right. That's where they land. And um, in the, uh, dealing in the central, I think the the Pittsburgh Pirates, while offensively have been performing well, they've been pitching well. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to ta- tailor off too. Um, but yeah. they, they're, they're, they have been scoring a little more runs than what the Brewers have um, on that plus and minus differential, but, um, Pittsburgh, I think's overplayed themselves a little bit. Milwaukee's overplaying themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think the Cardinals and the Cubs rise to the top two teams. They will. 
in the central. Um, the Cubs have way too much offense and the Cardinals are going to have way too much pitching, especially as the season wears on um, where the Cardinals, whether it comes to injuries, they're just going to go into their triple eight, go down to Memphis and pull out somebody who's as good or as better than what you just lost. They are. Um, the Cardinals are going to do it with pitching. Cubs are going to do it with the bats. And those are your top two teams in the central. Yeah. I was about to ask you a question, but I already know what the answer would be because I was thinking about it today. And I was like, which pitching staff would you take if you could take it right now? Chicago Cubs, you have you Darvish, Jose Quintana, John Lester, Kyle Hendricks, or would you take the St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff with Luke Weaver, who I love? You've got Michael Waka, um, Jack Flaherty's pitching tonight because Adam Wainwright's still on the DL, Carlos Martinez. And then Miles Michaelis, who's had his last two or three starts have been still really good. <laughs> Holy crap. His past – I've got him on my fantasy team right now. His past three starts, I feel like he's given him six or seven innings of low-earned to none-earned ball. Obviously, you would take the Cardinals pitching staff, right? Uh, no, because I, yeah. I still think their best, their best pitcher isn't, isn't – uh, he's, 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 he's in a rehab assignment right now, Alex Reyes. I yep. think will be the best pitcher on that staff. Maybe, maybe not this year, but next year he's the best pitcher. And um, he yeah. throws harder than Carlos Martinez, um, and he's got a similar control. Um, he's going to be the real deal. He's going to be potentially Cy Young one day, um, definitely All Star. Um, but now the Cardinals are going to have an issue of, and they're going to see it this year. We got Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes. And we've already got a full lineup of starters. What do we do with these guys? And we got other people in the minors too. We got John Gant, who's not bad. Um, we've got all this talent uh, for starting pitching, and we, Cardinals got more starters than they do slots. Um, yeah, they do. That's a very rare but, problem to have, man. Because pitching, like the Cubs, are having a hard time finding pitching. Theo Epstein went about it when he started rebuilding the team. They purposely didn't draft pitchers with the thing of like, okay, let's draft a lot of offense. And we know that offense is worth something like on the trade market, like moving prospects mm-hmm. to get like a role Chapman for a rental and then get Jose Quintana because historically pitchers are hard to draft. Like look at Mark Appel, who is the number one overall in 2014, which was Chris Bryant's draft class. He's out of baseball right now. And then I always think about guys like Todd Van Poppel was like the number two overall pick oh, yeah. just behind Chipper Jones. And then even a guy like Mark Pryor, who had a couple good years, and scouts would always tell of like his smooth mechanics. Like if, if his mechanics were a car, they'd be a Cadillac, but his mechanics didn't hold up and he got injured. And that happens a lot of times with these young pitchers. And I mean, maybe the Cardinals are in good shape. And, you know, if, if a couple guys get hurt, which I hate, this, like it hurts me when a young pitcher gets injured. Um, like it makes mm-hmm. me nervous every time. Jordan Hicks takes the mound because he's so young and throws so hard. And I'm like, man, please let that guy hold up. And yeah. Um, it's, and I think it's like he'll, he'll never, he'll never be anything than a one inning or two inning pitcher. Yeah. I think because of that, they don't want to see him because you can't let that guy throw that hard for five, six innings. No, buddy. He um, throws one oh two. I think that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, but no, I think he'll definitely, I think long-term he'll probably end up being our closer. That's good. Um, once he gets some more experience in, um, but other than that, he may, you know, as of right now, he's going to come in and pitch one or two innings, um, not closing, but I don't think you'll see him ever pitch more than two innings. Um, but the, uh, but no, the, the Cardinals pitching, I, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> no, they draft guys mm. 30 and 40 in the draft and they turn these guys into quality, quality starters. 
Um, it is hard to draft pitchers. Like you said, you don't know what's going to happen. Oh yeah. Um, but the Cardinals seem to identify, you know, Jordan Hicks, he's throwing 90, I think he was 94 when they got him. We think we can make him a hundred mile an hour. Oh pitcher. yeah. Well, how do you know yeah. that? And, and they were right. Dude, the Cardinals <laughs> have like these, the Cardinals have these like Monsanto farm reports with like these rookie players. You can watch them all on YouTube. And they were interviewing Jordan Hicks and he was like, yeah, I was throwing like 94 and then. It just like kept going faster, and then like the next year it kept going faster, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> crap! Like, is it gonna stop? Like, you're throwing 102 right now, man. Like, what's gonna happen next year? Like, it might just never stop." I, uh, but now, I love his leg kick, man. That leg kick, dude. It's so Nolan Ryan, man. Like, I love to watch pitchers pitch. Like, have you ever watched Walker Bueller pitch? Did you watch any of his games yet? Yes, I, w- I watched. Yeah, I watched his very first game. He's yeah. got such a classic windup, and like right now, the guys I love to see pitch are Walker Bueller, Luke Weaver, because he reminds me of kind of Jake Arrieta with the way he starts. And then, of course, I love to watch Arrieta pitch, but I like to watch Jordan Hicks pitch. Man, I love that classic high leg kick. Man, it's like he could knee himself in the chin, dude. That's just like how much he folds up before he throws. <laughs> so fun. Yeah, and, and which I was – because, you know, the first couple of games, I don't think he ever – I don't know if he pitched with anybody on base, so he was able to stay with that windup. Yep. Um, but once he got he got into – I believe it was either his third or fourth game, I think it was his third game, he got himself into a pretty good jam, but he able to, he's able to pitch out of it. Yeah, that's um, impressive for a young and guy. So, yeah, and and he did really well expect, with having to change his delivery. You know, so I did, was able to do that, you know, the, his, his, uh, his windup there, but still able to – no, get get the job done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna okay. We're gonna talk about a sore subject now because I got to talk a little bit of Cubs and get your opinion on it. The there was a report out a couple days ago, and honestly, it's been a report for like the last six months about Manny Machado possibly going to the Chicago Cubs. Like, I don't know if have if you've thought about this any at all because it's the Cubs. Like, I don't think they should trade for him at all, and if they do, I think they should like give up zero pitching uh have you thought about any of this at all or do you the i don't know why you need him i don't either you shouldn't (laughs) Um, need him you have i mean to me the cubs have talent wise probably the best to me talent not not producing but talent the best lineup and talented wise in baseball Uh, most talented lineup in baseball I don't know if you need a new hitting coach or what you need, but the situational hitting is poor. Mm. Um, but the, the talent is there. You need to fix what you got because you've got it. You've, you've got, you've got just as good, if not better there already. Um, yeah. I mean, your, your shortstop can't hit the ball worth, even though I think he's at a career high right now in batting average. So I say that way he's on a career high. Yeah. Addison Russell. Um, but no, he's, he's, historically a poor hitter, but mm-hmm. I mean, you've got plenty of talent and I would not give up. Well, you can't give up any pitching. You don't got that much depth of it. No. Which, I mean, you'd have to give up one of your two. You'd have to give up Chatwood or um, Hendricks. And well, they've got a guy in the minors. Young pitchers. They've got a guy in the minors. Who's like one of their number one ranked prospects. And his name's like Adbert Alize. And there was a rumor that they would have to like give him up. But, like, I've seen this team give up enough top prospects. Like, Eloy Jimenez, who they gave up last year for Jose Quintana, which is going to go down as one of the most, like, lopsided trades in Cubs history, probably. 
um, because he's going to slaughter baseballs on the south side. And Jose Quintana, like, people are complaining about him right now because he's not pitching well. But that's the exact pitcher the Cubs trade for. I watched a ton. I watched every Quintana start last year when he was a White Sox, and he didn't look good. And then the Cubs gave up their biggest piece in the farm system for Jose Quintana, and he's pitching exactly the same. So I read a report on Manny Machado, and also, like, in that same article, it talked about the Cubs giving up prospects for Chris Archer, who pitches to a five-earned run average down in Tampa. And I shook my head, and I was like, why do you want Chris Archer? You just gave up your best prospect for Jose Quintana. Just what you said two seconds ago, make it work. At one point, Addison Russell... When they had the top 100 prospects when Addison Russell was on it, he was a higher prospect than Francisco Lindor and Carlos Correa. Those guys are tearing up baseball mm-hmm. right now. And, like, it makes me wonder, like, what what is this team doing that, like, I mean, you mentioned a hitting coach. Like, Chili Davis was, like, a pretty good hitting coach in Boston, but... I mean, I don't know, like, what's going on in that system because sometimes I get frustrated post-game when the team hits two hits all game and gets walked ten times and still gets shut out. And Joe Madden will say something like, well, you know, a lot of good stuff came out of tonight. And I'm kind of like, but did it? Like, really did anything come out of tonight? And that's what frustrates me most about this team is it's just this huge underdevelopment. But with the Manny Machado thing, the proposed trade that people love to talk about or send Addison Russell, Albert Almora and Mike Montgomery for half a season of Manny Machado. And like, I don't know how familiar you are with those players because you're a Cardinals fan, but like, that's a lot to give up. If I gave up those three guys, I would want the Orioles to send me Zach Britton in return for free when his Achilles hurt, when his Achilles heals, I get because he'll pitch in July. So if I were to give up those three pieces for Manny Machado, I'd want them to send me Zach Britton. And I proposed that on Twitter yeah. one day and someone laughed at me. And I was like, do you know the capabilities of Addison Russell? At his build, he's a wide kid. He can hit for power and his defense and arm are phenomenal at shortstop. It'd be the dumbest mm-hmm. trade ever to give those three guys just because Addison Russell's not producing. People forget that the Cubs are the third youngest team in baseball still. They yeah, just won a World Cubs. Series. They just won their yeah. World Series really early. That was it, you know? Yeah, the, the Cubs have the talent. They can develop what they got. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they've... I mean, their offensive talent is impressive. Oh, yeah. Um, the people talk about, you know, like last year, they kept talking about Houston's lineup. Houston's lineup is good as anybody's. Like, you just look like, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're scoring some runs, but this Cubs team should just be, you know, a Cubs can light it up. And when they're hot, they're, there's nobody who can Not who person. can even compete. Nope. Um, but the problem, they just inconsistent and yeah. when runners in scoring position when you need to get that hit you don't get that hit Mm-mm. but you know the players are capable but something something is wrong <laughs> in the system yeah it's some... not which you hate to take i don't want to you know take any burden off the players <laughs> yeah, the players are the ones who are not performing but why are they not performing um, when the cardinals can have you know much well, i'll say much less but significant less count on the offensive end and put up similar numbers especially last year, they weren't that far off of no, the Cubs season totals. There's a problem there because the Cubs are, were way more talented and the Cardinals and the Dodgers 
We're all over them. Oh, yeah, dude. Offensively. I've thought about this a little bit, man. And I know me and you have talked about over the phone. Like, I love when Alex Rodriguez calls a baseball game. He reminds me of Tony Romo. He calls it from, like, a player. I do. I love. And Alex Rodriguez, dude, he gets roasted every night on Twitter because people are like, Alex Rodriguez is so crappy on air. Like, he spilled a bottle of water. Like, I don't care, dude. Like, he calls it. (laughs) Like, that's all they focus on. But I'm going to tell you this right now, man. There was like maybe three weeks ago, and he was talking about launch angle, and he wasn't bashing launch angle, but he was more or less being like, you don't always have to like put the ball in the air, like line drives will never go out of style, preaching like situational hitting, and the two people like uh, Jessica Mendoza and Adam Vasgersian were kind of like, kind of taken back with what he said, because like data says, you're supposed to hit fly balls, and where I'm getting at with this is a lot of times when I feel like the Cubs need like a a runner in scoring position hit, like I see a fly ball to like left or right field. And I I wonder sometimes, man, I get so frustrated with it and I feel like A-Rod, if this launch angle has like overtaken everything so much when at some point as a player, you got to be like, I need to hit a line drive or I need to put a ball on the ground. Because last night with the bases loaded, Chris Bryant hit a pretty casual fly ball to left field. And I'm thinking in my head, like, Dude, hit a line drive in that situation. Just try to hit something hard. And I wonder, like, if, if honestly, if there are more home runs hitting baseball now than ever, whether it's a juice baseball or launch angle or the data and the science behind the thing. But I wonder if guys are just trying to hit too many home runs and if that's what the Cubs are doing. Like, I know Wilson Contreras, every time he comes to the bat, like, maybe he just wants to hit a home run. I've seen Javi Baez, like, almost swing out of his shoes. He swings the bat so hard. And mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, it, maybe it's just a uh, uh, just no, like a mess no, up they, in the they, process, they a, you know. Yeah, no, they need a little bit of. And it, that's where you, you need a little bit of a, the Cardinals and Washington Nationals in there, where you know you're 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 going to have a sacrifice grounder here. You know, I'm going to move the runner from second to third, um, and I'm going to get out. <laughs> you know, I'm going to put yeah. this ball down in front of the first baseman. <laughs> You know, um, if he catches it, he catches it, you know, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, there's, and people, and they go in the dugout and their players are celebrating their high, high five them. Cause yeah, you, you didn't get on base, but you know, you moved the runner to third and the Cubs yeah. need a little bit of advance the runner, advance the runner. I know that that's, you know, that's, that's 1980s and nineties national league yeah, baseball, it's not pretty. but it, it still wins some games. <laughs> yeah, it does, man. I, uh, I hope it clears up for him a little bit. I don't know. Like Chris Bryant still seems like he's performing well on the team. Uh, I don't really oh, know if I have anything yeah, else to add to it. Yeah, I know Chris, I'm going to remember Chris, this. Yeah, I'm going to remember this moment forever that you said the Cubs have the best talent in baseball. So I have that actually recorded. Offense. So, Off that hitting, no, hitting. Like, we're going to have to rewind it's the tape. Total, we're going to have to rewind. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to rewind it, Offensively, has nothing to do with pitching. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to get, so like, a photo frame and put your picture in it, and then I'm going to have the audio playing. The Cubs have talent. The Cubs have talent. And it's going to come from your they, voice, they, man. They, they do. Uh, uh, with, the, with the bats. No, total team, I'm still going to have to go with the Astros because that pitching staff is wicked. Ah, do you um, think them or the Yankees, man? You think the Astros are better than the Yankees? Um, I'm, I tell, I'm worried about Yankees pitching. Who does it? Sonny Gray um, looks awful. Oh, oh man, uh, he, he is. Dude, he's getting um, battered, man. Holy cow! Uh, but no, I, but but if we, I think by the time we get to the All Star break, we're going to know what the Yankees truly look like. As a yeah. pitching staff holding up, are they able to keep pace with the Red Sox? We're going to know that by the All Star break. 
Um, so I'm holding offensively. They are capable of being, of making the world series. Yeah. And tonight may be a world series preview. The nationals are playing the Yankees right now. And that may oh. be who's in our world series. I got hurt. Um, yeah. Well, when and, you're the um, Astros and you've got Marwin Gonzalez hitting eighth batting like nearly 300 with like 28 home runs, like you got a pretty good team. So it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Garrett Cole started as the season as like this is probably our fourth best pitcher. We're gonna put we're gonna sign four. <laughs> like the guy here. can win guy can win the side <laughs> Charlie Morton. Yeah. I mean you just got so many people in the Cy Young race at this point, just like man. Are they I mean you gotta wonder that. like are they just gonna be one, two, and three in the NL Cy Young? And then like Otani gets a few votes and then takes MVP because like Verlander has like a sub two ERA. If Garrett Cole doesn't, he's real close. And then old ground Chuck Charlie Morton, he's just fun to watch on the mound. He throws 97 still. He's 34 years old and throws 97. It's something, man. Those guys are crazy. Lance McCullers Jr. has like a disgusting curveball. Um, oh, yeah, and his McCullers, his stats don't look – because he had a one awful – I think he gave up seven runs in one inning. Oh, did he? Okay. Um, his second or third game. And, he just, and that's what blew his numbers up. You take that one game out. Um, he is good. well under three on his ERA. His whip is just like, I think a one and a quarter. And other, you take that one game out and he looked pretty good his last game too. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's, his numbers are going to come down because he, that one game blew it up. Yeah. But well, no, he yeah. is, he's, he's having a great season. Yeah. I know. I'm, yeah. He's just, the only thing I don't know about is I know nothing about the Astros bullpen. And I know like a pretty decent amount about the Yankees bullpen because like they got a couple guys from the White Sox. Aroldis Chapman's kind of back and throwing 103 miles an hour. But then, you know, with the Yankees, you've got like Dellen Batances who like will either strike out the side or hit three guys in a row. <laughs> you don't really know what you're <laughs> going to get with him. Like he's the true definition of like Ricky Vaughn or like Mitch Williams in the wild thing. It's just kind of like, you know, Della Batances is the weather, so we can't really predict it. So we'll just see what happens. But um, the, I, you might be right about the Astros being the best team because from watching the Cubs for so many – and I know you watch the Cubs a lot because you think they're great. Um, young hitting is kind of easy to get out. You know, if you've got veteran pitching or young hitting, a part of me feels like the veteran pitching is always going to win. And, like, I've seen it with the Cubs and kind of them get dominated by good pitching. And I just wonder – that would be the only thing that would make me nervous about the Yankees going really far is young bats like Sanchez, Judge, um, pitch around Giancarlo because he's got some pretty good experience. But I know Didi Gregorius is a really good hitter, so you've got him. Uh yeah, Baseball's yeah. Most slow. of the time, good, good veteran pitching wins. I think, but the, the Cardinals yeah. and they had McGuire, Jetty, Drew, Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland. These were these aren't even all young hitters. Um, you know, they had a the best, arguably the best lineup, the often you now bat wise in the NL. Mm-hmm. They got up against Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, and they uh, got shut down. Yeah. Um, and it was a phenomenal, often probably the greatest lineup Cardinals have ever had when it comes to just school putting points on the board. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah. this team keeps putting what points on the board. What year was that? Was that 01? 2001? It was, it was, it was, it was 2000, maybe 2000. I think it was okay, 2001. Okay. Yeah, um, Scott Rowland kind of had, um, like he's up for votes in the Hall of Fame. Like he didn't make it last year, but there was a huge debate last year whether Scott Rowland was a Hall of Famer or not. And you look at his numbers and you're kind of like, what he mean to his team, and I don't know. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Or do you, did you look at his numbers a lot? The um, 
I, I think what's going to hurt him is like his he his lack of games and his injuries. Is that what he it was is? hurt a lot? But but no, even um, which it's it's harder to measure. But you no, know, his defensively he was an outstanding third baseman. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's I have if he may I have no issue with him being in because he is he is. Um, of course, I, I watched him play a lot those years in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it, to watch in person, he's the best third baseman I've ever seen watch in person. Yeah. An um, amazing third baseman. And defense and, um, isn't looked at yeah. enough Hall of Fame stuff. Like no, Andrew Jones no, should have got way more of a case to get into the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. I mean, Ozzie Smith was very deserving to get in because when you have a guy who has a defensive war of nearly five, like any given season, it's like, okay, like that's something to kind of consider. And, um, and there's one other person I was thinking of too, Omar Vizquel. I don't think he got the vote to get in. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to tell you when we were talking about uh, the LA Angels and like Trout and Otani. Um, I was looking at Andrelton Simmons' numbers today, and he puts up defensive war numbers like very similar to Ozzie Smith. And his off, he's had full like seven win seasons in his career and this year he's batting 333 with like a 900 OPS he might be a 10 win player this year and he's a guy for the Astros that has always been valuable defensively I mean amazing defender but his bat's coming around too and he's going to be a big name like he'll get MVP votes maybe oh yeah you get a um if they respect defense like they should it yeah defense hasn't um you know it seems like the you know, towards the end of Ozzie Smith's career, they started placing a lot of value on defense. It seemed to carry over to the days of, uh, which they were trying to get hoping Derek Jeter returning that type of player. But yeah. I'm trying to think of the Cleveland Indians had that during that time. Omar Vizquel. Um, is that who you're thinking of? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, same, yeah. We're just talking about, yeah. Um, who was just amazing. Um, but yeah, we, while we were watching it, it was, we appreciate it when we watch it. But when it comes to the Hall of Fame, you know, yeah. we are, we forget about it. Yeah, Andrew um, Jones was we, arguably the best. On paper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andrew Jones was arguably the best center fielder, that, like better than Willie Mays, like maybe the best that ever lived. Like for his like 10 or 11 year run before he dropped off. And it's like, you kind of want to dismiss that? Like, that's like, what about it, you know? Um, and like when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, overall, they had a historically good defense that year. And that helped out a lot because that Cubs offense, their bats in 2016, they had weak points. Like they had glaring holes that a person could get around. But their pitching staff and their defense, like they don't win the World Series without their defense. It was that good that year. Yeah, that's what, that's what hurt the Cardinals last year was a – Lack of infield defense. <laughs> oh, who's um, who no, they got in defense? They got Jed Jerko that plays third sometimes. What's Matt Chapman play first sometimes? I don't know any of that. Colton Wong plays second. Who's their shortstop? DeYoung? Um, uh, yeah, uh, and he's actually doing um, – th- before they had Diaz. Um, oh, Lettuce Diaz they, was they've good. Been through, they've, been through several, they've been through several shortstops. Yeah. Diaz had a fantastic rookie year. Phenomenal. He was an all-star. With the bat, but he is awful on defense, and they haven't had a solid defensive shortstop. And um, DeYoung is not bad. Um, he's probably average, which is good enough because he's got a good bat. Um, yeah. But he's getting the job done. And you, you can always tell how good the Cardinals' defense is by looking at Waka's ERA. <laughs> Oh, uh-huh. um, he put a lot he, of balls in play. He puts them on the ground okay. and 
it's up. He's got a, if his ERA is around four, the Cardinals aren't playing defense. <laughs> the infield is sucking it up. It's like a barometer, down man. Around three, they're doing, it is. It, you can tell how good the defense is by looking at Walker's ERA. And he's about a three flat now, so you know they're playing defense. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, do you think you Darvish has the yips? Kind of like Rick Ankeel a little bit? Um, I do. Darvish, after that playoff, anytime you get in the, the spotlights on you, high-pressure situation, mm-hmm. and you tank, and then you tank again multiple times, it's going to stick with you. Um, yeah. It's going to be in the back of your head. Um, that's all you're thinking about. It's all you're dwelling on. Um, he'll probably never admit it, but I think it's in his head. It's got to um, be. And, it, you know, he may go an inning or two without thinking about it, but all of a sudden he sees something that looks similar to what those playoff games did. Mm-hmm. It's back in his head again. Well, that's what's happening. Um, He'll hit the fifth inning. And then, like, if you look at his starts this season, he's got – I think he started eight times, and five of those starts, or at least four, are all under five innings because he'll get into the fifth inning and then – He'll walk a couple guys, give up a few hits, and it's like, oh, crap, like, what happened? Like, everything looked good, then it's gone. Yeah, and the the Cubs can't afford him. He, he needs to be an all-star level he pitcher. Does. He for does, Because the, the, the Cubs are going to have to win. I mean, they need to really, like, we need to do our best to win 100 games, or at least 95 of the Cardinals are going to beat us out of this. Yeah. Um, 90 wins will not get you to central this year. Probably No, especially um, not with the going, Brewers. If going, they somehow maintain their luck, yeah. it won't. Yeah. Um, you have, you have got to, I mean, the Cubs really need like think, be thinking the number 100 needs to be in their mind to win the central. That's what the foot yeah. race is going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need Darvish to not only be good, he needs to, he needs to be that dominant pitcher. They thought he could be. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's got a he's got a decent offense behind him who's going to put up some runs and he should be getting should be getting run support. Um, he kind of is honestly. You Darvish has had he's had six starts this year. He's zero and three like in his column, but the Cubs have won three of those games and lost three of those games. So somehow, like even though he's pitching really bad, the Cubs are playing five hundred ball with. Uh, him starting so all in all like as bad as he's pitched now it's not the worst thing in the world if he can go ahead and turn this thing around and um you know he just got off the disabled list so he's starting tonight against the Braves and it looks like he's pitched like four innings and given up one earned with five strikeouts and the Braves have an impressive lineup and oh but back to what I was saying do you think the Braves are the real deal or you think they're small sample oh, oh gonna, um Braves the 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 thing that's got the Braves had no offense. You had Freddie Freeman, who they would just pitch around. Freddie yep. Freeman has lived the Bryce. Basically, what Bryce Harper has experienced this year, Freddie Freeman has been experiencing for years now. Only got, yeah. um, well, now you've added Albies. You've got a, a Cunha. Um, you had hey, you had Preston Tucker that you're popping in and out of minor leagues yeah. now, who was having a fantastic time. He was leading the league you know, in hitting for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And and you have that much depth and effort and uh, it's a, a, a Flaherty and then they have um, oh can't think of their other outfit but no they've got some they're hit, they've got a lot of people hitting the ball now oh Nick Markakis um, is like in yes, his thank age you. like I could, could yeah. not get to his Dude, name yeah he's having a phenomenal season I had his numbers in front of me he's got an OPS nearly of nine and I swear he's batting like three forty he leads the National League in or no he leads all of baseball in hits he's got more hits than anyone in baseball. But now the the Braves' offense is scary good. Yeah. Um, can their pitching 
keep going like it is, which I know they just brought up a, they brought up a rookie a couple of weeks ago uh, and they got another one in the yeah. minors who may just be, he's probably even better than when they brought up. Um, so they're going to be, I think by the all-star break, they've got these two guys regular in the rotation. Um, cause I think they're that good where they can help them for a playoff push into the yep. season. Um, I don't know if the Braves are good enough to hold off the nationals because the nationals, despite their struggles are in the loss come they're, total, they're, they're two games back. Yep. So the Nationals are sticking right with them, despite how good the Braves are. But the Braves, they can make a run for this the wild card. They're they're ahead of yeah. the Mets right now, you know. And the Mets are one of the the Cardinals and the Mets or the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Mets. One of the, those three teams, you know. You're one of those. Those guys are going to be your wild card teams, whoever does. You know, but the I don't know if the the Braves may be able to beat out the Mets for that final wild card spot. I um, think. I think offensively, they're probably more talented than the Mets. And I know, like, DeGrom and Syndergaard, I don't know what you're going to get out of either one of them this year. Like, DeGrom's had, like, that hyperextended elbow problem. Noah Syndergaard can't seem to beat the Atlanta Braves, like, historically and this year included. Like, he can't. So, like, I give the offensive edge to the Atlanta Braves. But then when I look at the pitching, like, I know I've got Noah Syndergaard and Jacob DeGrom. After that, it's kind of up in the air. Like Jason Vargas, I, I, I don't think he's going to give you anything good at all. Uh, they're pitching Zach Wheeler some. Eh, he might or might not. He's kind of like a coin toss. And then obviously Matt Harvey's gone. Um, but yeah, I've that, watched, that was the, yeah. yeah, it's a bummer that he had to leave, man. He had a phenomenal start in Cincy. I'm rooting for him, man. I really am rooting for Matt Harvey. Um yeah, it, it's going to be hilarious if he succeeds in Cincinnati. Um, I hope he does. The Mets gave up on him. The fans, the fans. Dude, they booed him the his guy. last start. His last start, yeah. they booed him off the field. And I'm like, how, dude, like that makes me mad. And here's why. In 2015, that New York Mets team made the World Series. And Matt Harvey, mm -hmm. at the time, Scott Boris was his agent, was like, hey, Matt needs to be on a pitch count. He's just coming off Tommy John. But Matt Harvey was telling his coach and everyone, I'm pitching all through this World Series. So half of his in all of his injuries are probably because he gave everything he had to the New York mm -hmm. Mets and was pitching well into October into the World Series when he probably shouldn't have because he won nothing more to win a World Series. And people talk about... Matt Harvey being a drunk and he's going out and partying this and that. Matt Harvey's a ball player, a hundred percent. Like he gave his arm for Queens and literally got booed off the field. And here's what mm -hmm. I think about Harvey. Harvey's fastball velocity's dropped. Dude, he needs to learn a little bit of big, sexy Bartolo Cologne style, work on that secondary <laughs> off-speed stuff. He's got the skill set for it. He could do it. And if he'll just channel his inner big, sexy, he needs to make a call to Bartolo and be like, hey, big Bart, what do I need to do? And he'll tell him, man, just shake that belly and go. Yeah. But no, I, I do hope he's uh, that he Harvey does uh, yeah. succeed, because and the Mets will deserve that. Um, the Mets fans. Because uh, that that was um, he didn't deserve that. No, Harvey didn't deserve that. no, not at all. Um, but he pitched that four innings for the Reds. He went like four innings in one hit against the Dodgers. And I'll take it, man. He was in L.A. and the Dodgers might be slumping, but they've got guys that can hit the ball. And if Matt Harvey's stuff was garbage, I think they would have hit it. Yeah, um, but yeah. I got to tell you about one more guy off the Braves, and then we can wrap this up or whenever. We're like at an hour and 15. Sean Newcomb 
is a pitcher that the Braves have. He's a six foot five, two hundred fifty five pound lefty. He's pitching good. I think he's like twenty four. This might be his yeah, second he's the one full who, year. Is he the one who pitched against Syndergaard when the Mets got really mad at the strike zone? Um, remember when Todd Frazier was griping about the strike zone like a week or a week and a half ago? Yeah, it's, yeah, 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 Syndergaard, yeah, 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 and that was, yep, and that was, I thought that's who you were talking about, yeah, and that was Sean Newcomb that pitched that game, I watched that game, man, I mean, all across Major League Baseball, umps have been calling off the plate a little bit, what, like, Sean's been pitching, Sean Newcomb painted the quarters that night, he's a real good lefty, he's got a sub three ERA, his last three or three starts have been super productive, he's good, and... I don't. I'm kind of like yeah, you. Like it, I don't know if the the Braves have like the pitching power to go through the NL East because surprisingly enough, the Phillies have pitching. Jake Arrieta's pitching real good, um, mm-hmm. so I think the Phillies are better I mean, than the Braves right now. But that's not to say that Sean Newcomb and some of their new guys can't pitch well. But that's a guy to watch out for, Sean Newcomb. He's pitching good. Yeah, and I, which and I'd have to look at his his name, but they got another minor league pitcher. Um, who's fantastic as well that, that you'll see sometime this year um, who may push him into the playoffs as well. Um, Braves could be there. I, I would, if I had to say like, which one has a better chance of getting a wild card Philadelphia or Atlanta at this point, I would have, I would just have to go with Atlanta um, with the, sl- with the slide edge over Philadelphia for that last wild card spot. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be the Mets. I think the Mets are going to finish in the position they are. And that's just r- about, no, right above the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're, they have they're there it. the rest of the season. I mean, Jonas Cespedes, Yoenis Cespedes, he can't stay healthy. His hamstrings and his legs and all that stuff. Um, but what else do we got on the docket, man? How much time you got left? Do you get on time or you need to go? Oh, no, we're, we're, we're good. It's, it's, um, how are you feeling about uh, Zobers Black Cleats? Oh, okay. The Oh, crap. Where did my recording go? Okay, we're still going. Okay, so here's what happened. Zobrist always wears black cleats to, um, like, Wrigley Field home games. And I think, like, specifically day games, I believe. But he wears, like, all black cleats. And, he get, and he's been doing this for years. So he gets the letter from Major League Baseball basically saying, hey, your shoes need to be 51% your team's primary colors or we're going to fine you. And so Zobris has like his Instagram post and he's like, Hey, I do it for like this historic, like to tell fans about the history and the legacy of the game. He mentions growing up, uh, watching Stan Musial, Ernie Banks, and just how much the, uh, classic black cleat like means to him, but also how it could spark like fan interest or like young kids can learn about the game and things like that. And I think that's important for baseball. Like you said in this podcast, right? Like, um, build a relationship. And like, I think relationships a great word to use because you want to know these players. Um, that way you can just turn on the TV and be like, Hey, that's Ben Zobris. And I know stuff about that guy, you know? And, so Ben Zobris was kind of like MLB, like this is a little ridiculous. Like, shouldn't we be spending our time, money, and resources elsewhere? And MLB's response was basically like, hey, this is in the players' agreement, man. If you got a problem with it, like talk to your union guy. We don't really care. And like I get the rule, but my problem with this is why was it even a rule? Like I have a hard time believing – one, the rule's stupid. 
and MLB should just sweep this under the rug. I don't care if it's in a union agreement. If it's something as simple as a shoe, MLB and their owners need to build a quality relationship with the players, and it's like they don't want to do it. When Rob Manfred was trying to enforce like these rule changes, like it didn't seem like the dialogue was really there. And then to throw out, like, this is no different than like a normal job where someone gets micromanaged by their boss. Like, why are you doing this to me and why is this important? And the fact that it's even a rule bugs me because I know when the negotiations happened for the CBA, the players weren't like, hey, we need a rule on shoes because we need another dumb rule to follow. MLB stuck their nose in it and was like, your shoes need to be 51% of the color. It's crazy that MLB sent out the the letter to Ben, and even if the rules is an actual rule, the letter should have never been sent, and it's stupid. Yeah, since you side it was Zobris, then I'm going to side. Well, I'll give the other side. Let give me, me the that. other side. Uh, give the other side, which you know, I, I, I work for cup. one of the largest corporations in America, Fortune 500 company, um, closer to the top of the list than the bottom of the list for sure. Mm-hmm. And now we, we always had dress codes. Now we got, we had thousands of thousands of stores across the country, hundreds of thousands of employees, dress codes in every union contract we had didn't enforce them for decades, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it was okay. Cause everybody kind of dressed decently, you know, um, worst case scenario, you'd have, you walk into a store and people wouldn't be wearing their name tag or maybe their shirts untucked. Well, then you got, we eventually probably in the early, I'm going to say probably around 2005, 2006, whenever you start hitting what we'll call like the more emo phase, um, you start having your employees, you know, wearing more, um, the hair color started getting funky, the piercings, um, some of these shirts that they'd have long sleeve shirts under their you know, business shirts would have inappropriate things on it. Um, and we literally had a employee who had, um, it was pretty much a topless woman on his shirt and you go to write him up and his union gets it thrown out because you're not making the other guy wear the name tag because you know, you're not enforcing the dress code across the board evenly. So you can't punish the guy who's wearing something completely inappropriate because you're not making everybody wear their name tag and the same name tag and the same shirt tucked in the same way with the same color pants, because that was in the rule book. Um, so what I think major league baseball is doing here, they're having to, they're enforcing every single letter in the dress code because they're worried about a larger picture of, of the dress getting inappropriate. Like we did at the company I worked with and where I'm going with that is we just look at the NFL, what happened to the NFL. They had fans divided their fan base based upon the type of socks a quarterback wore. Now, with the, with the, uh, uh, the, the pig dressed in the cop uniform on his socks, and he shows up in those socks, and the fans go livid, and then the other half of the fans are defending him. And, of course, the NFL doesn't really do anything, doesn't make a decision. So I, what I think here, what they're, what they're worried about in baseball, they're worried about – some player wearing a shoe or a sock or some part of the uniform that becomes divisive. Now, where we choose a black lives matters, or we choose a blue lives matters advertisement and you start offending people. So they're the major league baseball. Yeah. Zobris has been wearing these shoes for years now and they, the rules been there for years and they haven't said a thing 
But now they're saying something because they don't want to have a mistake. They don't want to have a repeat of what happened to the NFL this year. And where you start, people, they're talking about you in the news, but not because of the sport you're playing. They're talking about you because of political activity. They're talking about social justice or whatever it may be. They're Mm -hmm. not talking about sports anymore. And I think that's what Major League Baseball's concern is, is they want to keep baseball about baseball. And the the dress code with the, every every major company has a dress code of some sort. Whatever that is, it, it may vary. Um, but if the players want black shoe, all black shoes, then get all black shoes in your contract. I agree with Major League Baseball on that. Um, but Major League Baseball, because of what has happened in other leagues, they're going to have to enforce the dress code, whatever that may be. Um, if the players don't like it, well, they've got a chance to change that pretty soon you know, and get that changed, mm-hmm. um, whether you have, you know, and lay out, well, this is what my shoes can look like now. I can wear all black, no matter whether I'm home or away or what my uniform works, looks with. Um, but the, the major league baseball is going to have to protect the brand, protect the teams, yeah. um, by, in, by having a solid dress code. Um, so your player doesn't become a distraction from the game itself. And, Fans go to watch baseball to watch baseball. It's how we escape from the world. You know, we work all week, um, and we just want to watch baseball, and we want to relax. Now, we're not watching Fox News or CNN sports or our release from the world. This is our enjoyment. We love to watch it. You know, and we don't want to make it about anything other than baseball. You know, we watch baseball for baseball. And I think that's what baseball is trying to do. They're trying to ensure that baseball is about baseball and we don't have a ton of distractions like the NFL had this past season. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's a good point. I kind of hate that you were right, but I think you're right on that, man. <laughs> the whole time you're talking, I was like, gosh, dang it, he is right. Because, like, a lot of that makes sense, like, with, like, stuff getting into a slippery slope, because you do have to, like, protect the game. And that's, like... Honestly, like that's always my biggest concern with this sport when it comes to like the players union and the owners and things like that. Um, And I know a lot of the stuff that happens in the NFL, which I don't follow a ton of it closely, but I've talked to a lot of people that watch the NFL and it seems like a lot of the things that are going on are taking away from the actual game. And I think that's hurting baseball. And I mean, it's kind of almost like with um, like the steroid era where like there was a point in like 04 and 05 where it was less about baseball, but more about um, court subpoenas and, you know, going in Mm -hmm. front of like um, Congress and making statements. And all of a sudden, like we're not talking about Mark McGuire, the hitter. We're talking about the Mark McGuire that only wants to talk about the past. And I see exactly what you're saying. And I think I agree with it because there was a time in baseball to where all the steroid stuff was swept under the rug. And then we had a span of three, four, five, six years where now we're paying for it because we let all this stuff happen. And then now we're going in front of Congress, like the amount Mm -hmm. of time that baseball was in front of Congress for like steroid talk was more than like anything like that entire year. Like Congress was talking about steroid use in baseball more than they were talking about the war. Like that's how big of a deal this stuff was. And it's that type of stuff that took away from the game because your box score was replaced by steroid dosing with Barry Bonds' initials next to it. And when you put it in those terms, like I can see it for sure because you never 
want to have anything get into a slippery slope, whether it's little or whether it's a lot, because you don't want one, nobody's bigger than the game. And then two, yeah, you don't want these stories to replace the game. You want the game to be the game. Like you said, really good point. Like sports are a release for us. Like we go to sports to get away from the world and get away from our job as much as we can and just enjoy it. And something that's always bugged me is when baseball is replaced by like the gossip in baseball. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that stuff does hurt the game, man. It's a really good point. That's a yeah. really good point. I'm going to end this call right now, big brother. Unbelievable, <laughs> man. That was good, though, man. Dude, I really appreciate you being on the show, man. You've said a ton of good stuff that I never even thought about. Like the Ben Zobers cleat thing was phenomenal. And then what you said earlier about the two-way player having a chance to hit between starts, dude, that is phenomenal, man. And I think you're 100% right on that. And uh, – it does make sense with MLB on the cleats. I know. I think the next CBA is in 2019. So, yeah, they can sort of address yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Hopefully there's a lot of rule change with stuff that kind of lets players have more of a personality. I just hope they don't strike or stalemate, to be honest with you. That's kind of something that makes yeah, me nervous with me. this free agency we just had. I'm like, do not – not a, I don't know what would happen if the game had another strike. Boy, I really don't. No, no I don't – this is this is a – no, the 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 previous no one strike. You know, you you, had, you were saved by McGuire and Sosa. Of course, they yep. they did it taintedly, um, but that saved baseball because they they were they went on strike when Michael Jordan and the NFL were you know, Michael Jordan and the NBA and the NFL itself with the Dallas Cowboys. They were peaking and baseball went in strike yeah. and they just lost the fan base oh, and they didn't they get did. back to that home run race. Um, but right now, I mean, just the rookies, they just which. I mean, we have so many rookies coming in this season that are just going to be phenomenal. And the way that yeah. baseball is exciting now, and you've it got is. so many young talent with Otani, McKay coming up in the minors, um, the Cardinals pitching staff, the Cubs lineup, the Astros as a complete team, the Yankees in Boston, both of those teams being that good is great for baseball. You have so much momentum in Major League that you haven't had probably since the steroid era, the chase. Oh, yeah. Um, Baseball is just baseball is getting fun again. And if they go on strike, it's it's it would be bad for the sport. It's a, it put um, them right back in '94 with empty stadiums. They can't mm-hmm. do it. They've got to uh, yeah, no matter you, what. Yeah. Oh no! What'd yeah, you think they, of that? They, yeah. What'd you think of that Mark McGuire thing? We were supposed to talk about this a long time ago on the last podcast we recorded, but when Mark McGuire said that he could hit 70 home runs off steroids. And then John Heyman from FanRag Sports was basically like, you're delusional. And then Victor Conti, the guy that pumped Barry Bonds full of roids, was like, Mark, you're delusional. I don't, yeah, think, it's the, that, I don't think it's that far off base for Mark McGuire to say that he could have hit close to it without steroids. You got guys like John Heyman and Victor Conti who have like never taken steroids in their life. You can't take an anabolic steroid and become Superman. Like you can't. I can't say much about seventy home runs. So what do you think about that? Would have McGuire hit seventy home runs or is he delusional for real? I don't know if he I don't know if he would have hit the seventy. Um I think he was the rate he was going and he was he's always was a good home run hitter. Um I mean, he he still could have hit sixty one. I think um, he could have. But one of the things I think where where Heyman was unfair, I think McGuire had a he cited two seasons, which I'm thinking maybe between uh, um, ninety two and ninety three. McGuire had like which 
I looked at like a 143 slugging percentage increase. Um, yeah. cause 93, he went to a 726, and like, you don't make that big of an increase without being on steroids. That's false. You well, make a swing adjustment, well, you can get that yeah, increase. That's yeah. bull crap. And that's what, and McGuire says he did it, but Stanton, the last year MVP, the year before his MVP run to this MVP, the, the, the two seasons, he was 142 points increase yeah. on his slugging percentage, greater than what McGuire was. So his blanket accusation is essentially just said Stanton's using PEDs because it's impossible yeah. to do that unless you're using yeah. PEDs. A, um, a swing thing, adjustment, you know, McGuire, yeah. Yeah. No, the season he cited in the 93, McGuire was 726 in his slugging percentage. McGuire's first full season in baseball, he was 618. You know, that 120-something point difference, and that is not that big. It's no, not. that is – and that was – yeah. Young and kids. McGuire run rookie of the year that year. It's since That was one, technically McGuire's rookie year was 618. Um, <laughs> Young kids make improvements the like that, they do. Yeah. yeah um, and McGuire was 29 that year. I mean, that's still young to hit seven – to have that increase. Uh, it is. Stanton was only one year younger than his big jump. Um, McGuire has always been a power hitter. The only seasons he didn't have a lot of slugging percentage because he was playing hurt. Oh, yeah. um, now, the only thing that McGuire did admit that he took steroids to prolong his career. Mm-hmm. So it's like, would he been able to even play to hit 70 home runs if without yeah. steroids? If he took him to stay healthy, would he even be in the game at that point? Mm-hmm. Or would his slugging percentage be under, be, be no 383 like it was in 91? Would he be down to that far because of injury? Um, so I don't think he would, I don't think he, to hit, to set McGuire to say he would hit 70, I think is exaggerating the situation. Still McGuire still would have been ahead of a ton of home runs. Mm-hmm. He could have probably perhaps broke 61 still. Um, cause he's always been a home run hitter. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his rookie year was 49 home runs rookie year. 49 home runs. That's, that's insane. Na- that's, natu- that's natural. That's natural. Judge was 53. Was Judge 53 that his rookie year? 52. So Judge had last year? 52. Okay. You know. Um, and Judge was also like three years. Year. Judge was also like two or three years older. Like Mark McGuire was a young pup when he hit those home runs. 23. 23 and he hit 49 yep. home runs. Rookie year. Um, that's insane. And then we're, yeah. Um, so when you have a rookie who's coming to hitting 49 home runs, yeah, there's a good chance he's probably going to hit, he could hit 60 yeah. in one day. Yeah. Um, but t- just to be that blanket, you know, like I would have hit 70 with or without him. That's tough to make that claim because steroids do make you stronger, but granted, they're not going to help you hit that baseball. And one thing McGuire did have to say, you, you can notice a change in McGuire's swing. Um, when he started hitting 50 home runs, you know, mm-hmm. when he's in that 52 and that 58, um, he's shortened that swing up. So he's all over 61 as soon as he makes that swing change. Yeah. In that um, same year in 98, Sosa had made, made swing changes that year and he wasn't swinging at nearly as much stuff out of the zone. He had changed his, um, like foot placement when he went into a swing. So even with Sosa to hit 66 that year, he was making changes to not chase as much as he did. And mm-hmm. so even with Sosa, like steroids only didn't make, like didn't create his 66. Like he was making changes to hit for power. I think the steroids helped Sosa more than they did McGuire probably. But um, Sosa was still making good changes and he was a gifted hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a shame because you know, it, with, without the um, 
if there was no steroids, you know, McGuire might not hit the 70, but no, he's got many seasons where he was forties and upper thirties and, you know, 52. Um, he probably would have been a hall of famer. Um, I think he still should be, man. Do you, would you vote those guys in? If you're, you're a writer right now and you've got to vote, do you vote him in? The, I would put, because it wasn't an isolated incident. It wasn't McGuire and no, Mark McGuire wasn't the only one using it. If that was the case, then no, but your pitchers, we're using steroids too. So if yeah. I got the Roger Clemens juiced throwing mag- balls to McGuire, who's juiced, the playing field is even yeah. between the two. Um, and it was so widespread. I think you just didn't need to acknowledge the game was pretty much even between pitchers and hitters. Cause everybody was doing it. Yeah. Maybe you put asterisks beside their names in the hall of fame. Um, but what, what I, what I don't like about not putting them in, you have took 98 was, is still, Probably the most well, I'm gonna say probably I'm gonna go ahead and say that it is the most exciting year in baseball. It's the most exciting year pretend- we'll ever see in our lifetime. It's the yeah. most exciting and year we're pre- we'll ever see. And now we just pretend it didn't happen. It was ninety eight saved baseball. Baseball was dying, ninety eight saved it, and the two guys who saved the sport were now shaming. Yeah. You know, even though some of these may not have it. We may not, may not have expanded. The Marlins may not have exist. The Rockies may not exist. That's true. No, no so Tampa Bay Devil Lamar. Rays, no Diamondbacks, <laughs> nothing. I've even made the case that it would benefit baseball to put those guys in because to me, there's this shadow over the sport because you're holding them out. So it's like this weird, mm-hmm. like, we just don't talk about that. And I've always yeah, thought you, you, to vote those guys in takes ownership over the situation and it recognizes it. And I believe that if you do that, it would be better for the game. If you want to protect the young kids coming to play baseball, I think the best thing you can do is recognize what happened and talk about it instead of mm-hmm. sweeping it under the rug because there's a sense of ownership there where you just acknowledge the bad thing that happened in the room and like we all know what happened, and this is what we're gonna do. And I, th- I think in some weird, twisted world, because there's that one end that's like, oh, you're rewarding them. They cheated, but you still want to vote them in the Hall of Fame, so it doesn't matter. No, you're not doing it, but you're telling the story of a flawed era, possibly if you believe that, similar mm-hmm. to Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb being in the Hall of Fame in a segregated baseball era. Right, Babe Ruth did play. Yeah, Ty Cobb was one of the most. <laughs> I don't want to call him evil, but he, he was, was a mean dude. He was mean he dude. Was. <laughs> and you want to know what the best home run hitter of that era was? Probably Josh Gibson, who never got a chance to play Major League Baseball. So, like, I don't know, like, it's like Babe Ruth or Ty Cobb, like, I guess, like, they didn't cheat the game. But you still put rate and Buster Oldney said a lot about this, and it took me a while to kind of maybe agree to it. Maybe like that's what I'm doing now. But you vote guys in that were like Cap Anson was a raging, raging racist. That's wrong. But you put him mm-hmm. in there. You acknowledge the era, and at the end of it, um, we're say maybe like 30 years from now, and let's pretend McGuire, Sosa, Bonds, Palmero, they're all in. A kid, which is what we're worried about, right? We don't want kids to like have a taint in mind. A kid can go in there with their parents, right? Imagine both of your sons with you at the Baseball Hall of Fame, and they can see this story of baseball from segregation, racism, to then you mm-hmm. get the 70s and the 80s, and then you get steroids. And then now 
you get this era of baseball, which you just described perfectly 10 minutes ago about these young up-and-coming guys who play the game with energy, who show their personalities. And it's that whole entire story, like you couldn't script it. And it tells a story of like a flawed game with the players doing like wrong and somehow coming out on the other end, like learning about themselves and doing things right. And the game right now has never been in a better place than what it is right now. And I think it's important to tell that entire story so when people are growing up and getting into the game, they can see it and understand it. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um yeah, it is. And you said it's right. You can you can make and teachable moments. We learn from history. Yeah, of course. And you can't learn you can't learn from history if you pretend it didn't happen. You mm-hmm. just erase it from the board, whiteboard, um, you, you're no longer learning. Um, yeah. Pretending it didn't happen doesn't fix anything. Mm. I think they should acknowledge it. I think those guys should be in. And it's not because they were Hall of Famers before. So, um, But those were good points, though, man. But I guess we'll go and wrap this show up, man. Um, dude, thanks for being on the show. And thanks for not making fun of me as oh, much. Thank you. I figured you – I'm waiting for you at some point on the podcast to talk about, like, beating me up or something. Um, but um, thank you for, like, not doing that. Like, that's really <laughs> appreciative. Um <laughs> So that's good. That's good. But either way, we'll wrap well, this yeah, thing up. And, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't want to cut you off if you're going to throw a dagger at yeah. me. So what's up? No, no. The, the last show was only because you brought it up first, you know. So you you opened that door last time. Dude, there's a lot of no. good funny stuff, though, man. Like, I'm not going to – like, dude, like, we had a lot of fun growing up, man. Whether it was a sleep talking, me peeing in a toy box – like you beating me up, like whatever it is, like it's still good stuff, man. Dude, I recorded an episode a couple days ago where I was talking about video games because David Price has Carpal Tunnel, and apparently it's because he plays too many video games. And then I was telling <laughs> Courtney about when I used to play, dude, there was a golden era of Sega Genesis where we played NBA Live 95 and Madden 95. And right now, like, that to me is, like, my golden age of video game playing. And I remember <coughs> ripping the Sega off of, the like, the TV and throwing it down and then spinning the controllers and slamming them against the wall. And uh, those were good times, too, man. <laughs> yeah, you were you had uh, some um, – the game Sega Genesis caused you some emotional problems at It times. did, dude. I got to uh, a point – It was I bet, an addiction. Dude, it, I bet for a solid year I couldn't finish a game. I would start a game, and before it got to the fourth quarter or whatever, like it was off, and I was mad, and it was done. And um, But they said David Price really has carpal tunnel, and it might be because of video games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, in what world? There's a guy named Dan Shognessy who's a big Boston Red Sox sport writer. Dude, and he tore David Price a new one in this article. Um, he even called Jim Palmer to get Jim Palmer's like opinion on David Price having carpal tunnel. And Jim Palmer goes, it's karma with a capital K. They hate David Price because he's such a <laughs> jerk in Boston. And those Boston yeah. fans are like, this is the worst contract in Red Sox history. He's an awful person. And they do not well, like him at all. And that's what it's that's a bad place because Red Sox fans are they hold grudges like no other fan base. <laughs> yeah, but they're not um, as bad as New York fans, man. You can 
if if you go about it the right way, Boston will love you and you'll be loved. It's not nearly as bad as what I feel like it is if you're a Yankee or a Met. But, dude, David Price got in fights with Dennis Eckersley and he's, like, yelling at reporters and all that stuff. And I don't have any sympathy for players that bash guys covering the sport. It's awful. No, it's, you know, with Dennis Eckersley, there's a, there comes a point where you just re- you just respect that man. He's a Hall um, of Famer, but Hall of Famer or not, Eckersley's just covering the game. He didn't say anything that yeah. wasn't true at all. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – you know, um, Price has his issues, and um, <laughs> he, he may want to put down the video game system for a while, at least till this blows over. Yeah, and he, gets he said – Dude, he, under control. that's what he said. He goes, um, I'm not going to play any more games in the clubhouse. They play games in the clubhouse after – the baseball game till like 3 a.m. That's how long they play video games for. I can't play video games that long. I don't even have a video no, game system anymore. I don't have one. No, my, my, my boys have got one, and I can play with them for, like, there's been a few times we've actually played for, like, two hours on video games, and, like, when I, when I quit, like, I'm, like, disoriented. Like, you know. I like, can't stare at a screen that long. Right. I'm a little yeah. dizzy. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> I feel like I just like, got I, off. If I'm on my phone too long, I feel like I just got off the tilt-a-whirl. And I'm like, oh, yes, like, I'm going to yeah. barf. It's so bad. But I'll tell you what right now, man. I'm thinking about getting a video game system for the studio. And I either want to get a Sega Genesis so I can play NBA Live 95 and Madden 95 or I want a Nintendo so I can play Baseball Stars, which is the best baseball game ever invented. Yeah, yeah. Like, you got that. What was it? The I can't remember if they were called All Stars or what they no, were. No, they were the American Dreams. They were the American Dreams. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and you can yeah, get you much. can get a rebuilt Nintendo on eBay for like 150 bucks, and then you can get Baseball Stars for 10 bucks. Oh, oh you can yeah. get them. You can get the, the replicas cheaper than that. My mother-in-law got one for. Uh, uh, Christmas. Crap, can you play um, baseball stars on it? Oh, yeah. If you got any Nintendo game, it'll, it'll take all the Nintendo oh, games. Crap. Yeah. Uh, that, that's you all can I go need. to Books a Million and get it for like 30 bucks. Um, oh, heck yeah. Or you just go to Amazon, you can find it for 30 bucks to system. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, they're out there and you can get them pretty cheap and they, and they work good. Um, and they, they come with HDMI ports too now, so you don't have to have the uh, oh the old coax or the RCA cable. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to hook one up if I got one because it's got like that. Like if you have a Nintendo, you've got that little rectangular silver box, and you screw the coax to it, and yeah. like beyond that, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to hook one up, I guess. But um, yeah, TVs don't get those coax things anymore. No, they don't. But I kind of want the old vintage Nintendo, man. There's just something about like. I thought, like, give me a Nintendo, and then I'll get, like, the gold cartridge Zelda. I'll get Contra, Skate or Die, and Baseball Stars and just kind of have a day of it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I guess, oh. dude, I'll let you go, man. Again, this is the greatest show on dirt. I am Quentin. I am talking to my older brother, Jonathan. Uh, and uh, Yeah, we'll wrap this thing up, man. We'll do it again maybe in a week or so, maybe in a few days. I'll Honestly, I can record with you as often as you wanted, but I'm going out of the country for like the next like four days. I won't be back until like Sunday night. Um, Uh, We're going to be in Florida at Universal. Oh, dude, Um, have fun, man. Yeah. That'd be a blast, dude. Oh, T-Ball. How's T-Ball going, man? Oh, uh, T-Ball is, which we're we're getting (laughs) to the end of the season. We've got like four games left. Oh, so so you've already Um, played the season already. It's done. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've been, we've been going at it pretty hard. Um, 
multiple games a week. And of course they're three and four year olds. So they don't get the big, you know, three month season. Um, okay. How many games do you guys play? But, oh, I mean, we played, um, we probably had, I think in 16 games. Um, yeah, 16 games. I think we had a 16 game season. Okay, that's good. Do they retain and, um, pretty good what you're showing them, these three and four year olds? Like, are they pretty into it? Um, batting wise, they Heck don't yeah, do so okay. good fielding. Um, yeah. You know, because they, they like to play in the dirt more. Well, idle, idle time for um, sure, man. Like, I've been there. I remember it. Like, you just kick around dirt and write your name a few times. Yeah. But no, they have a, they've done, which I've got all my kids off the tee now. Um, I slow pitch to them. You know, we are tee ball, but I do, I pitch to them all now. You're pitching all to these three well. and four year olds. You're pitching pitch, to them. They're hitting, they are all of them. And most of my team is three year olds, over three year olds when the season started. So wow. you were classified as a three year old for the full season because of the age break. Okay. Um, so um, they are, you know, they'll be there next in T-ball next year as well. But yeah, we're, we're not using the T we, we, we live, we saw, I soft pitch to them now and they have mastered the most of them. I got a few that are still chopping and, um, but two of them is are still chopping, but the Chris Bryant mm-hmm. launch angles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, you, hold on. Dude. You're teaching three and four year olds launch angle. Dude, you are an innovator. <laughs> my man. No, yes. to, to, it is the perfect age. Cause when you start them off on the T and the best way to get them to hit the ball, and not because you know if they come down with with a, a slight chop, you're going to hit the top of that tee, you know. So the best oh, yeah, way, you, know, you, get them, you get them trained to lower that bat level on the swing early. You can come in and hit that ball and not make any contact with the tee. Dude, twenty and years but, from now, we, we, twenty years from now, your son's going to be a pro baseball player, and he's going to be like, "Yeah, my dad was teaching me launch angle when I was three in T-ball." Yeah. But uh, but no, we're, we've got them off the tee, and the kids, my crap. kids now are hitting the soft pitch. But I'll th- I'll pitch it to them, and they hit it, and I have a hard time getting the run out because they just stand there, watch jaws drop, <laughs> looking at the ball they hit. Wait, so you're so your three and four year olds, they're pipping their home runs. They hit it hard, and then they stare at it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, to, my, my my youngest son now, no, he's in. He runs the first base with his arms out. No, yes. his head just kind of tilted back. You know, he's I just he's strutting down there, arms out like he's a professional wrestler. Some sometimes he twirls and just will go in the first. Dude, he's gonna get kicked <laughs> out of a game. They're gonna boot him, man. <laughs> but no, but one thing that we've learned though, if it, if you hit a ball in the air at a three and four year old, they're gonna get out of the way. So that ball's going into the outfield every time <laughs> oh. um, because, you know, kids don't, they'll catch a ground ball three and four year olds will, but they won't get in the way of the ball if it's in the air being hit at them. <laughs> it's because so no, 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 jump, drop to the ground Dude, and that ball's going into the grass. <laughs> it's because you're teaching your kids launch angle. So the teams you're playing aren't used to seeing balls hit that hard. <laughs> They're going to go home and be like, what just happened? <laughs> like, Oh, John McCree's <laughs> teaching his kids launch angle. He's got exit velocity of 30 miles an hour for a three-year-old. <laughs> we got problems over here. All of a sudden your players are going to be putting pine tar on their bats <laughs> with a mouthful of big leaves. Chew just ready to play ball, man. They do. They do have big league chew in the mouth too. Do they have to, man? Dude, you guys get it down on a lot of snacks. Like, do you have like big league chew double bubble? Like, do you have like post game? I remember when I was when we were kids, man. Like post game, we'd have a cooler full of like orange crush and all kinds of sodas. Like, do you guys still do stuff like that? Take them to Dairy Queen, get a bunch of soda and stuff after the game. No, we we don't. We don't do this. We we do have the big league chew. 
Um, but no, we don't do that. We don't have the sodas, you know, the rotation where each parents are taking turns to bring in sodas and stuff like that. Um, the, uh, mostly cause I think the league wants to push their concessions. Um, cause that's oh, where we make the money. Yeah. Um, that's where it's little at. league, little league baseball is the cheapest sport to play here in Kentucky where I live because of the concession stand and, and the fundraisers we do. It's cheaper than soccer or basketball or anything else because of that. Oh, um, dude, that's awesome. So all that, all that money's put back into the league. Um, and it's a longer season than those other sports too. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's helping us get the cost down. So more kids can play. That's still get huge. And like, you seen, you seen the hats and you seen the shirt that Rowan's wearing. That's, Dude, nice that's a stuff. real LA. I thought that's, um, I thought that was a new era LA Dodgers hat. Like, it, like I mean, it, it, hat. Is, it, it is major league baseball licensed apparel that that's they're wearing. Awesome. It's not the new era, but it is, it is, it is licensed MLB uh, apparel that the kids get to wear. Um, so we, we, we take care of them, but it, it, you know, a lot of that's because of the concession stands and that profits that we're getting from Dude, that. That's huge because um, baseball's a more expensive sport to play. Like it's not like basketball where you just get a ball, like baseball, you got all these like nice uniforms, like balls aren't expensive. Bats aren't expensive. That's huge to be able to like provide the community with, mm-hmm. uh, that type of play. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause those uniforms are nice, man. Um, yeah. That's a, I bet you guys get a huge turnout for that, man. That's great. That actually makes me happy because I remember ta- like Jason Hayward had interviewed a couple years ago or something and was talking about just how like it was so hard sometimes for kids to play baseball because, you know, the sport's expensive, trying to get field mm-hmm. time and things like that. Like if you want to play basketball with your buddies, you walk up to a court. But at least where I'm at yep. in Charlotte, like you have to like reserve a baseball field. And unless you're part of a league, like you'll never get a chance to do that. But with a yeah. league like that that's funded where, like, people can come and enjoy Little League, spend some money at concessions, and then they turn around and use that money to put back in is awesome. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can go to concessions and buy, like, a bunch of beef jerky. I remember, like, in Marion, they had at Ray Fossey Park, like, the really thin Lowry's beef jerky. I love that stuff, man. So that was the best one. All right, greatest show on dirt. We'll wrap this thing up, man. Dude, thanks again for being on. Uh, oh, you're welcome. What, what game are you going to watch tonight? You going to watch a game? Um, I'm yeah. The uh, I'll probably start with the Yankees and the Nationals, um, which I believe just now got put into a weather delay. It did. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch but, that uh, game. I um, guess, and then then of course I'll have to get the Cardinals in the morning probably. Um, are you getting yeah. blacked out on them still? Yeah, because the which. Because the, the nice folks at Direct TV have a, yeah. you can buy a. It doesn't come with any basic package. You can buy their most expensive package. It doesn't come with it. But Fox Midwest, you can buy on a premium sports channel. You buy a whole sports package from them. Fox Midwest is one of them, which is funny because there's like several Foxes. Yeah. But the one in this area that chose to get black, which the Reds are going to be blacked out because that's the the, the Fox Ohio is the one that is in this area. So it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. Fox, Ohio market area. So your reds are going to be blacked out. That's why I don't watch them anyways. Um, but they, the second team they blacked out is the Cardinals. Unreal. Um, which kills me. I would have preferred You're it to be two the Braves. States away. <laughs> two states away. You know where else the reds are blacked out at? Yeah. The reds are blacked out in North Carolina. Yeah. Man, at least they time. were last year. Cause when the Cubs would play the reds, like I would want to watch the games at work but I would get the blackout. And then when I would go to the Fox sports app to watch my local Fox channel, it would play me Fox 
Southeast, yeah. which is Braves games. So I'm like, it's just, yeah. it's, it was just like your situation where like, oh, so like it's blacked out, but then if I want to watch it, like I can't watch it because you're not going to give it to me. So like I'm stuck in purgatory. Like yeah. I can't watch anything. Yeah. It's like, yeah. But yeah, you get, you know, whatever you got, Spectrum TV or Direct TV, you're getting Fox. I'm getting Cincinnati Reds, <sighs> but you yeah. blocked out the Cardinals on me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to check out that uh, Yankees game. Astros play the Angels tonight. Garrett Cole pitches at 10.07, so that's about to start. That'll be a good one. Um, yeah, see so if it gets 10 or 12, 14 strikeouts again. <laughs> shoot, no kidding. I honestly, I'll tell you this right now, I think someone can strike out 20 guys this year. I think with the which is, with with the way hitters are changing their swing and how they're attacking the play, I would not be surprised. I know Scherzer did it a couple of years ago, and I think he was the last guy to do it. But I wouldn't be surprised if someone strikes out 20 this year. I wouldn't be surprised if someone knocked out 21 this year. Pitch count gets yeah, in your way when you do this, that. But. This, this, this would be the era that you, you do it in, yes. Um, mm. Because, it, it, uh, I mean, Scherzer got into the high teens this year. Did he get 19 Shoot. this year? No, he – I don't think he got all the way to 19 – but maybe a couple starts ago, he was five innings and 15 strikeouts, but his pitch count got out of control. So he got pulled at like 110 pitches because he got in a little bit of a jam and they pulled him. And he was mad. You know, Max Scherzer, man, Mad Max. He was like, oh, yeah. he told Dave Martinez, like, you can get out of here. But he dropped like a huge F bomb in that sentence. Um, he did not <laughs> want to come out. But that's all. Scherzer would strike out nearly 20 guys every game, but his pitch count gets out of control. Um, because just striking out that many guys, it's so hard to strike out like that many guys and keep the pitch count appropriate. Like, Kerry Wood, when he struck out his 20, he threw 122 pitches. But I don't know how many, because Clemens did it twice. Randy Johnson did it once. Scherzer did it once, I think, in 2016. I don't know any of their pitch counts, but um, I know Scherzer's 20 strikeout game, he allowed three earned runs, and I think he was in the 120s. But then the other two, I've honestly, I've never watched. But um, it can happen. Oh uh, yeah, Scherzer stopped at fifteen. On was May it 6th. was it fifteen? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Fifteen, yeah, yeah. He was rolling pretty good there, but yeah, his stuff is nasty though, man. The yeah. way like he throws, like he'll get like a little like change his arm angle and throw like that sidearm four seamer or whatever. It's out of this world. I still think he's the best pitcher probably in at least the National League. His fire is unbelievable. Yeah, his competitiveness, yeah, his mound presence. I, mm-mm. Yeah, Kershaw, I think, is he's he's just even when he's not hurt missing games, I think he's pitching hurt a lot of times too. Uh, he's got um, he's given up more home runs than ever. The between like the back and then whatever he's got going on now. Yeah. Bicep. Yeah, he's he's it, no 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 telling how long he was trying to pitch with that ten to nine in his arm too. He doesn't quit um, man. before he, he finally he, gave it up. He doesn't quit. He'll pitch he'll pitch until the arm falls off. Um that's why I like it, man. He's a competitor, so but all right, let's wrap it up, man. Uh, this is the third time we've tried to wrap this up, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> greatest show on dirt, live from the Sweet Bee Studios. Jonathan McCree, the host of the night. Me, I'm Quentin McCree. Brody, you probably heard him bark a couple times in the background. Everybody, thanks for listening and have an awesome night. <laughs>